Okay, we're back. Welcome back to Reload Podcast. Today is episode 14. Uh, we have a rather special guest in the studio today. That's myself. Yeah, yeah, Connor's back. Um, so it's me as usual today, along with Lee. Hello. And Connor. Hello. And today in the studio, we have Mr. Andrew Cooper. Hi, folks. Uh, Mr. Andrew Cooper, how would you describe him, Connor? Behind Tall. the scenes. Tall, yes. <laughs> Behind the scenes, Northern Ireland scene legend. The godfather of Northern yeah. Ireland forums. I'd say it probably, Andy, you're one of those people that people know of you but don't know you as such. Would you say that? Well, I've never really sort of sought any sort of uh, grand grandeur or anything fame. like that. Yeah, I haven't, <laughs> sought, haven't sought fame. But uh, yeah, I've running RMS in the background, I suppose you could say, or the foreground. Depends how often you're on it for the last nearly 20 years. It'll be 20 years next year, which is just yeah, unbelievable. Probably taking a lot of my life away, I'd say. And and so for the, those of you who don't know, RMS is, I guess, website, forum. It's been part of the fabric of the scene here, I hope, for, the last, for yeah. the last couple of decades. And I just wanted to build a place where people could go and chat about cars. I love cars, but I don't necessarily want to be the guy who starts the conversation, but happy to have the conversation, you know? Yeah. yeah. I'll bring the beer and you guys can drink it. Exactly, facilitator. Uh, I sound like we're, or I feel like we're recording a Christmas. What do you call them? Uh, aid. Oh, live aid. Live aid. Up to the we, mic together. We're sharing a mic together because we have technical issues, but we'll move on anyway. So we'll, we'll, we're going to chat to Andy later on, but we'll first get into what's happening with us guys at the minute. So, Lee, anything, anything new? Not really. I'm. As I said last time, I've been back to work, but I've been back out on the road again for the first time really this week. And of course, I was in Cork. So, you know, nice short trip to get me broken back in again. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no purchases? Well, I bought a uh, VR6 engine and, and Connor and Stefan very kindly went and picked it up for me in the week when I was away. <laughs> what do you want to do with it? Um, Set at the, the moment, <laughs> At the moment, I don't know. It came along at a, at a good price and... Uh, I thought, hey, it's better to ha- be looking at it than looking for it. I was going to say a good time, but it's always a good time to buy VR6s. Correct. It's very hard to actually get a VR6 at the moment. Like, they are becoming hard hard to tame or whatever. Yeah, it used to be the fact that they were everywhere. And then now, I suppose like anything, the older they get, and they're not making them anymore. So they are getting harder to get. That's why anytime I see things I got, I'm just like, yeah, bad up. Get her bought. Andy Maxwell will be listening. He's like, oh, what is he? What's he going to buy off me? Today? <laughs> He's been on the phone already and texted me all week about a V5. Um, so yourself then, Connor, just a V5 you're looking at? Yeah, temptations there. Um, sort of debating whether to do bad or not, but I'd like to. But again, I don't have anything to put it into. But sure, well, why not? What about yourself? Took a deposit in Edition 30. A uh, gentleman from Wales has been messing with me flat out. So uh, hopefully it'll be away. Probably the end of July, I'm hoping. And on the pastures new, hopefully. Anything lined up to replace it? Well, <laughs> I missed out in a club sport by about three hours. Uh, very Amazing. very well-priced one. And then yesterday going into work, I came up behind it in traffic. The new owner. Lovely. <laughs> An older gentleman, you said? Yeah, he liked to launch it off late. So I refrained from giving him fingers. <laughs> so I, showed him, I showed him the way up the M5 so it's, it's all good what else did I do I sold a few bits and pieces uh, sold my wee Mark 3 ABF I was looking I just looked in the yard and there was a Mark 3 sitting and I went that's not for me I have to get rid of that disgraceful <laughs> <laughs> and then I've started selling a few bits and pieces so I sold my AP brakes um, I have Porsche brakes I'm going to be selling next week so 
Those, those bits actually went to listeners, didn't they? Yes, Bert bought the APs, so I think he's... I don't know if he is putting in the Mark V or not. And then Paul bought the Mark III. Paul Glenn bought the Mark III. He was actually telling me, I think he bought three Mark Threes in this past two weeks. Yeah, one of them's rather rusty, surprise, surprise. <laughs> They're all rusty, don't worry. Um, yeah, so I'm just trying to do a bit of a clear out at the moment. I've my T4 nearly ready for MOT, even though MOTs are another topic. Uh, the Mark III Cabriolet I'm going to be selling soon too, but... That's about it. Apart from that, I went to the uh, I Love Bass Drivers Club Drive-In Cinema event on the 26th of June. Uh, I went with uh, Robin from Studio 10. Nice romantic date. Yeah, someone spotted you on the on Instagram that tagged you. You were waving to people. Yeah, it was just... Famous know, podcaster. It's, the, it's a hard life being an You're influencer, you know. adoring fans. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, went that. It All was, three of them. Yeah. <laughs> They're in this room. There's that baldy <laughs> middle-aged man <laughs> that's filming, walking across the cinema in his Zimmer frame, something like that. Um, yeah, it was good crack. It, uh, Tokyo Drift they were showing, was it? Tokyo Drift. Um, I haven't watched that in about 12 years. Pretty decent. Good choice. Pretty decent. Um, I like Tokyo Drift. It's a, gu- <laughs> it's a guilty pleasure, isn't it? Yes, it, it is. Uh, I think after that, not that they were epic films, but one and two after that was just... Fantasyland, the films. Yeah, the the first one for me is definitely my favorite, and then after three, I just stopped watching them. Like, nope, not anymore. Yeah, when they start parachuting tanks out of planes and crashing into submarines and stuff, Vin Diesel's been smoking too much. <laughs> <laughs> Strange stuff. Yeah. I, I think I watch them all. I think they're fantastic. Just to leave the brain at the door job. I just I can't. Yeah. Yep, totally. We did go to the cinema to watch them all, and then I think it was the last one with the tank. No, the submarine. The submarine comes up through the ice and he's chasing the Lamborghini. And I was at that point, I just switched off. I was like, I'm never watching one of these again, ever again. <laughs> I just couldn't do it. So what you're saying is, Andy, you have to go into it and just go, look, it's make-believe, just enjoy it. Yeah, totally. And I remember I thought I was, I've had enough of the franchise and then I saw, have anyone seen Hobbs and Shaw, the most recent one? And it, it's, no. ac- it's actually excellent. Is it? Yeah, it is. It's the critics ridic- tanked it, like yeah, it was r- ridiculous. Yeah, exactly, the critics but, know nothing. So. But uh, but that's the best thing. If the critics tank it, you have no expectations. Yeah. It comes on on a Saturday afternoon, and and then you're just taken away by absolute nonsense. But yeah. it's just great because it's the Rock and Jason Statham, and how how could anything be better than that? That's true. Yeah. I like Jason Statham, so yeah, the Statham's awesome. <laughs> he's bald, you know. He's bald guys, I'm role model there. for you, is he? <laughs> and Connor, I'm me. <laughs> <laughs> I just need the abs. They're in there somewhere. And and he and I think. The way they build the characters, it's like, well, uh, The Rock has American muscle, so the state has to have the sort of best of, no? best of British. So he's, <laughs> he's in a he's in an Aston or he's in a McLaren or something like that. I think there was a, a stack of McLarens in the in the last film, which is sure. They That's probably, probably have reason to watch it. Yeah, exactly. They That's pro- a good reason. They to probably watch have it. a stack of McLarens because it kept breaking down. <laughs> they are getting serious heat at the moment. They are getting a hard time because um, they seem to be incredibly unreliable. There's a couple of YouTube influencers actually roasted them on one of their channels. Was seen through glass, and mm-hmm. his mate, the car dealer Tony, uh, Gravelwood cars, and they done a podcast, and they just got stuck into McLaren. It's probably after they've done a brand deal with them, you know, yep. and got the money. But <laughs> uh, yeah, they just said it how it is, how they're just terribly built. The early ones were dead on, mm-hmm. um, but apparently lately the issues with them is just shocking, which is a real a real shame. Yeah, well, uh, Tony from Gravelwood, he was saying basically. It is a shame because the early cars, they were just ahead of their time. They still are in the way they drive. It's just they need that extra 10 or 20% to make them a bit more character and a bit more reliable, you know. It's not great for the British or UK car industry because they're trying, they make Aston Martin are struggling. 
Well, McLaren, uh, I think I said it in the last one, that end of July, McLaren might be shutting up shop because they took out a big, massive loan there last year, three or four hundred million, and apparently they're knocking at the door. Back asking for more. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, uh, that, that sidetracked from a, <laughs> a cinema event. Yeah, fair play to Adam and the guys. Really good event. Really well organized. I think it sold out 200 cars. Um, probably the first big car event, really, since lockdown. Um, everybody behaved themselves and went about their way. Yeah, enjoyable. The other car event, and you mentioned it on the last podcast, possibly, was uh, track skills at Kirkston. So Yes, so that's I, right. I went along with that. That was... Uh, it was low-key. Very, very low-key, closed gate, as they called it. So it was driver only, no, no passengers even. Well, you weren't allowed passengers? No passengers. Right, okay. And it was not quite by invite, but they emailed, all, they emailed the regulars. Yeah. And then they let the regulars take up all the slots, well, which, that, which they did. That's first. fair enough, because it's a car community. The regulars are guys that are enthusiastic and they'll behave themselves. Yeah. Or have been supporting them previously. Yeah, yeah. and I, th- I think it wasn't, that was definitely part of it, but part of it was they didn't want to, you know, load anything onto the NHS. They don't have a bad accident because yeah. they're... You know, Somebody you guys... just turns down full Yolo. You know. Ex- exactly. <laughs> yeah, that'll be me. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that guy in the Mark three VR six on its roof? <laughs> so, so that that was a great day. It actually turned out to be a very fast day. I took the exes down and uh, you know, put in the best times and some of the hardest runs it done because you're there with the people who are the experts. Yeah. At the track days and everyone's was. Pushing. That, that always impressed me the way they run the day. It's it's very well run by Donal and his colleagues. If you're first time there, they take you a run round, and the lines they show you are they're fantastic. They really know what they're at. Yeah, you go in the corner going, how's this going to go round? You know. Yeah, well, I would I would even ask sometimes with the guys. Not that I'm a totally regular track day guy, but I've driven Kirkus a load of times. But every time you get one of those guys who races there in with you, and you're like, oh flip, I forgot that. You yeah. know, because you maybe get one or two corners nailed. Or you get the whole lot done, but someone who has raced there once a month for the last 20 years just has it, you know, imprinted in the back of their skull. I find, this, if you're coming off the start line, I find the second half of the track much more difficult than the first half, if you know what I mean. If you're starting, come coming past the straight and uh, Debtors, the Debtors fast, is the fast, fast corner, yeah. The corner and the far, the far corner. That onwards, I find that the trickiest. Colonial and the chicane. Fisherman's and the chicane. And yeah. Yeah. And then the big long straight into the corner just cooks your brakes. And it's a weird corner, that. It's a corner that keeps on going. Yes. It's like a, it's not quite a double apex, but there's how, how slow do I need to be? How far do I need to turn in? And then there is a wee bit of curb as you come out of the corner. Yeah. But I don't know, half the time I never hit the curb and I'm like, oh, my line's completely wrong. Have you ever done short track? Once, I think, in my whole time. It's a bigger equalizer between cars, that short track. Because the long straights allow people with horsepower just to pull. Yeah. And then it doesn't kill the brakes as much also, because yeah. you're putting your brakes on 110 mile an hour every lap. Yeah. You're cooking them. It, it's, it's, <laughs> it's hard on them. And the, the two Lotuses I've had are the only cars where I've, the cars had more brakes than I have had. It just gave me a sore sternum because the seatbelt was digging into me. <laughs> yeah. <That's laughs> sort of. Yeah, cool. Uh, do a bit of news, Connor. Yeah, certainly. Right, so there's just a few wee articles here and there that we've picked up on the news. There was an article released reporting on speeding during lockdown, and the London Metropolitan Police released figures of speeding in April. It was up 71% from April 19, 2019. So it's like top of the pops. So in a 70 mile an hour zone, the cut's only doing 163. So That's pretty good going. Not doth my cap. And a 40 mile an hour, the cut's only doing 134. And a 30, 110, and a 20, 73. Yeah, yeah you're also a bit twitching there when you get caught. Yeah. 
But is, is detection up? That's, you know, they may be saying people are speeding more, but I think they just, are they catching more people because there's there's more cops out? I think that's it. Yeah, there's not as much for them to do as such. Standing so around scratching, so what else are they going to do? May as well hold the camera in one hand. Well, so. I noticed driving into Belfast at the start of lockdown, the police were sitting on the side of the street because there's nothing to do. There's no pubs to go to, no... Now the, do the police normally go to the pubs on duty? Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Miss speed camera with them. <laughs> how, fa- how fast can you drink that? Um, yeah, so I think yeah, I think you're right. I think it was just there was more on the ground, so that's why they were catching more. So um, there's definitely the chat on the forum about oh, there's there's the speed camera vans about and all the rest. And of course, I know this, and I was coming here today, and I was on. <laughs> uh, it's coming from a sixty and into a forty. On the sad laugh. <laughs> not, not quite sideways. And uh, I was telling you as, as I was coming in here, so I, I just hit the sat nav for recent addresses, picked Nigel's address, and I just looked up and there was an MX5 in the middle of the road about to cut across the front of me. And the guy just was sort of waving his hand just very gently off the top of his steering wheel. I was like, that's a bit weird. And then, of course, I looked up and there was the speed fan. Nothing, more, nothing worse. And I was like, mm. it's a horrible feeling. So, a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see I what happens punch, I usually punch myself in the face when that happens go stupid 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 oh well, that's it I knew <laughs> I knew you know and I knew they were out and about and I, I'm that stupid the first month of lockdown there was every other day there was a van sat at the top of our road coming into 30 mm-hmm. I remember going up that road and seeing the van sitting I had to go up to the farm which is three miles up the road I remember the van sitting as I went out I was up the farm for 20 minutes grabbing a few things and I came into the 30 doing 50, uh-huh. and the van was still sitting there. And I just said to myself, you are a dumbass. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And as I was thinking about getting ready for the podcast and looking through stuff, and as I say, I'm not a naturally overt person. And I was thinking, oh, you know what, I'm going down in my Lotus, and here's my pictures and all the rest. And then... and Your mind was elsewhere. Exactly. Yeah. Mind, you know, well, yeah, it was almost like I had a... A big head, and this was just bringing me back down to earth. And if, and if, <laughs> You're one of us. And if, and if I had a pound for every time I did that, lower your expectations. Coming here, by the way, Andrew. I know my my ex- <laughs> well, exactly. Well, my expectations. You've you brought me here. So <laughs> you know but uh, and just just on that, and I'll come back to some very silly things I've done in cars, and I'm, sh- I'm sure you guys uh, have have a few. But I remember we did a uh, RMS did a day down at. Um, uh, drift School Ireland, Rally School Ireland. Yeah. And I was like, no, I have a S14 drift car. I do this and I do that. And I I brought the car with me, but I just got it re-stickered and the wheels all painted yellow because why would you not paint wheels yellow? Of course. And the night before, it was a whole rush. Buzzed the wheels on down to Rally School Ireland. Out showing off with a guy, uh, David, who owns the place. He was in a 350Z. I was in the S14. We're doing tandem drifting. Front wheel fell off. Oh, <laughs> lovely. So, take the wheel. <laughs> so, of course, between a not very well charged wheel gun, this is, this is a blame in his tools, and plenty of paint around the uh, the nuts. Yeah. And so the wheel nuts couldn't seat properly, was <laughs> my excuse, because we then blasted the nuts on and it just blew all the paint off. In the wi- <laughs> so we just jacked her up and away we went. He didn't so, do enough ugga duggas. Nah, no, no, no. Do you <laughs> know, more torque, required. Torque, Scientific method. Torque wrench. <laughs> The way I seen a, I seen a good meme this morning. Uh, that face you make when the dugga duggas turned out. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that too. Brilliant. I think it was a SpongeBob face yeah. or something. Brilliant. Things we actually expensive. passed a van on the way here with one of those little trailer generators on the back, like a hired, you yeah. know, like an HSS hire or whatever, with a wheel off it on the hard shoulder of the motorway, and we then passed the wheel, like 
quarter of a mile I was going to say it was at least a quarter of a mile further up the hard shoulder <laughs> I would say this guy was in the outside lane speeding because he would have had to been because the road kind of curved and we were like well where did the wheel go and then we were kind of chatting about it and suddenly it was laying the hard shoulder so he was having a good morning that reminds me of uh, a podcast I was listening to two weeks ago it was Donut Media they do their podcast it's very very good to listen to it yeah. and they were doing Duncan Hamilton I actually haven't listened to this one oh yet. Oh my but, goodness, yeah. that boy, it's it, it is a ver- it's an hour-long podcast. It's very funny. Is this the guy who was originally from Cork? Yes. Yes, I did actually hear that one. Yeah. One of the stories, it's just, it seems to be disaster to disaster, this man, and winning. His famous story is he got drunk, winning one of the races after they cancelled the series or something, the Sar- or cancelled him, disqualified him. The was Sar- it not Le Mans? Was it? Yeah. Right, okay. Um, but one of the stories was back in the day, the drivers used to tow their cars about. And he he says he was driving down the road, towing his Bugatti or whatever it is. And he, he seems to recall driving along and starting to uh, see a Bugatti coming alongside him, going down a hill, thinking, there's a car exactly like mine. And it only dawned on him as it went past, that is my car, when he looked at your view mirror and realised that it un- unhooked itself. <laughs> that is the worst fear when towing. Oh, yeah. That, you know, something... I have my brother, he, he has a Sierra 4x4 Kia. And he went to MOT. It basically came through the back of the trailer and hit the back of the... Oh, that would be nice. Yeah. yeah. So stra- strap on well, kids. <laughs> oh, that's what you're into. <laughs> <laughs> the stare to the gutter. Um, right, we're talking about speeding. Another report was just another bit of speeding down south. M7. They caught a gentleman doing 183 kilometer, kilometers an hour on L plates. L plates, I can almost talk. He got his vehicle seized and charged with dangerous driving. That's what, about 120 something miles an hour? Yeah. There's definitely nobody here would do that in the south. That's what your cruise control is set at, Lee, is it not? <laughs> would that be no. a 12 on the dial, yeah? <laughs> so they didn't muck about. Vehicle seized and dangerous driving charge, that's pretty. I remember one time, not in the south and not anywhere that has speed limits, yeah, um, doing a lot more than that. And having no issue. So now that they're actually cracking down and seizing vehicles, maybe that shouldn't be done. Yeah, well, In fairness, I act, I did see a lot of guards on the road yesterday. More more so than normal. It's all right. They're going to be distracted. The next few weeks, apparently, they're being seconded to enforce the checks and pubs for Corona actually? licensing. Yep. Oh, sure. good. Yep. So, so the roads will be a racetrack again. Roads are free. <laughs> so at night time, race away. Oh, because sweet. at night time, yep. some of the guards are going to be inspecting pubs. Is that the same way they, was it the, uh, when they were had to hit a massive target for drink drive checks and they just made it all up? That sounds Actually. like a phone call I had worked yesterday. <laughs> I had to do figures and uh, <laughs> <laughs> somebody said in the office, make them figures up. And we went, absolutely not. We're professionals. <laughs> uh, more news then, Connor, MOT. The DVA is looking for a new chief executive, by the way. So if you fancy Connor, I yeah, think need one. yeah, could you imagine the pressure that position would be under? Well, your your MOT centres have been requisitioned to poke things up people's noses and you don't have any rumps. But apart yeah. from that, it's grand. Yeah, I just tick the boxes and, and, and be you, fine. you have a backlog for about 10 years. A visual inspection, I think. Just roll up. Go, that looks well. Yeah, mate. No baller. D-turbo, nah. Uh-huh. I no think thanks. like most of them jobs at that level, it's just field executive moves from company and government body to body. It's just like a circle of... Yeah, I, I don't think there's any really particular qualifications needed. You know, you don't need to be a specialist in transport or motor to gain that position. It just kind of seems to be whoever, whose party picked that and we're, we're going to kick you in there and you can yeah. sort that out. So we'll talk about MOT then. 
as Andrew said, the shut down a lot of the MOTs, the cancelled MOTs for COVID. Uh, they're using Boucher Road and ours as COVID testing centres. They have announced that they will be reintroducing limited MOT appointments on the 20th of July. They've been doing priority NHS vehicles at the minute or something, haven't they? Yeah, and... PSVs and stuff. I'm sure they'll do stuff like that for I like commercials. Commercial, yeah. I think it, and there was... If your car was like four, three or four year old for its first MOT, they would do it. But anything like your Carly where I was going to say, would you take a Mark 1 Jetta? Nah. <laughs> they might first know. MOT. <laughs> um, but yeah, on that topic then, when that reopens, now the 40 year rule is coming in. So anything 40 years or older is going to be MOT exempt. So, so we're going to enjoy some serious rust buckets. Oh, that's, around the road. that's great. Some of them are mine. <laughs> um, None of ours are there yet, though. No. Not quite. My Mark 1 shell is, but it's a the shell. The Jetta would be the closest one. Yeah, even another three years or so. But So this is a thing they brought in in England, where anything older than 40 years is exempt from MOT. The only stipulation on it is that it has to be... Roadworthy or something? No. It, well, yeah, it, you have to maintain it to make sure it's roadworthy, but... You're not allowed to have any, I think it's worded as significant modifications or significant alterations. It's kind of a grey area because what it states is that you're not allowed to swap the engine, you're not allowed to swap drivetrains, brakes, suspension, unless it's like like for like, unless that's not available. So I don't think you're going to get away with firing an airlift kit into your Mark 1 and saying <laughs> you couldn't get a shock for that. But who's going to enforce it? Unless you get pulled by the cops on the side of the road. And you get one that knows what they're talking about, which is like maybe two Yeah, in the know, whole country. But <laughs> y- you could probably chance it. But if that is the case, like in my case, uh, well, and yours, Lee, you have a different engine in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it wouldn't stand. But it's anything we own isn't massively unroadworthy anyway. It's not an issue. It's just the hassle of having to go and book it and do it and maybe change the wheels or something. They're not driving anything death traps, but I suppose they are out there. You're waiting for someone with like a Mark III Escort just waiting in the wings just to ro- roll it straight out. Hasn't been MOT'd in 20 years. <laughs> Three cars welded together <laughs> and it's still rotten. <laughs> just, uh, I was talking to a few mechanics over the last few weeks about the MOT and they, they, they've they been asking why our recognised garage has not been, you know, why has it not been discussed, maybe it has, I don't know, to allow them to MOT cars. Because obviously there's just going to be a complete mess for the next year or so. And then I started looking at figures and the DVA in Northern Ireland makes £33 million every year from doing tests. So yeah, there's your that's answer. That's why they're not doing it. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That would be a budget f- shortfall. Yeah, that would be nice. Any more news, Connor? Yeah, Volkswagen released the Mark 8 GTC cars, the global touring car. Um, There's been a bit of a... Well, what, what it replaced was the Jetta because it's not available in right-hand drive markets anymore. And people are going crazy because it's rear-wheel drive. The only bad thing about that is it's actually a bit like the British touring cars where it's a space frame chassis with a selection of engines to choose from. So they're it's running the same suspension engine gearbox as all the other cars out there. It's not actually a Volkswagen setup. So I don't think we're actually going to see a rear wheel drive Mark 8 GTI anytime soon. But it is a really nice looking car and it's actually the only Mark 8 I've seen so far in any guys that is nice or would actually want to own. So we're not going to see a Mark 8 drift card IDC in 20 years' time then? Unless Andy builds one. <laughs> <laughs> Back into the drifting. Watch this space, Andy. That's it. Well, they've, I know where the, the pumps are somewhere. Yep. <laughs> get, them, get them fired back on. Just to finish up then, YouTube's in. Lee and I watched last night the new I Love Bass video. Um, 
still refuse to call them ILB Drivers Club. I was going to say, we should apologize to Adam and the guys, because every time we refer to them, we call them their old name. And I'm sure it's not good for their brand. Well, I don't think we'll affect them too much, (laughs) but it's also one of the things that I don't like change, so it's not happening. Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know what you mean. (laughs) Not as bad as listener Michael Hughes, who still watches Chris Moyles' repeats of his radio show from, what, 10 years ago? Michael's stuck 20 years ago in his head. He is, yeah. So, I'm not that bad. But it is, is it as you get older, you just refuse to call things by the new like the point is it's been the three arena and the o2 arena and i'm like no it's the point yeah and the odyssey it's like <laughs> oh the odyssey will always be the, the odyssey. odyssey is the odyssey yeah. what's it called and it's still a rip off s-s-e so yeah we watched the new video from those guys the strip 4.0 um it's set in what was a volkswagen show h2i in ocean city in maryland it's now free for all it's now have you ever seen it Andy? no it is nuts it's like it was a Volkswagen show that was held outside of the town, and then you just come in and cruise the strip, and it's like kind of like a seaside. Well, it's a it's a city for Northern Ireland. Can I say what it's turned into? It's turned into Easter Sunday in the port. Yeah, think Easter Sunday by ten. Yeah, think Easter Sunday <laughs> in the port for about four days, but more decent cars. Yeah, but it is a wrecking session, and it's become a kind of badge of honor to get your car either ticketed or confiscated, and the police will take it away on you, and they'll do burnouts in the street. It is just chaos, and the show hasn't been held there now in a few years. The show was actually moved to a different state, and they're still coming on the same date. And it kind of the guy that was organising it was getting hounded by the local police, so he just went away. He moved it, and they're still coming back to this. Um, one of our listeners, Jack, his family have a holiday home in uh, Ocean City, and he said to us, "He's like, if you want to come over and do it, we go down every year." Class. I was like, "Yeah, I'd love to <laughs> do that." But like, there's like crowds of people, maybe 40, 50, 60 people dressed up as bananas. And they're like run about, and the police are like chasing, and they just kind of like block the street. They'll run across the street. Where, where did the banana thing come from? There is something behind it, but I don't know. But it it just became a thing. And then there's like posts coming up saying, oh, "Yeah, bring your banana suits. We're gathering at this point, and we're going here." And it's just <laughs> chaos. But it is. It gives a good insight. A lot of the, a lot of the cars the cover wouldn't on the video wouldn't be my taste. Some of them are. Some of them are a bit stancy, vapey, look at me type things. But the way it's shot, the it's cool. No, it's unbelievable. That's Bran O'Neill all over. Yeah. But the, even the way it's shot and the, the quality of the stuff that those guys do is incredible. Like, it's just... Adam, Adam just continually ups his game every time. Yeah. No, and you can see that in it. Like, it's it's unbelievable. And are you any YouTube stuff you've been watching lately? Or? No, it's just I was saying I've just clicked into my subscriptions and sort of went back and sort of say, watch Carfection, watch the, the Top Fantastic. Gear stuff, the Chris Harris stuff, Harry's Garage. Harry's Garage, um... But uh, what do you call the uh, catchpole? Is the Harry car- Catchpole's car fixing? He's, yeah. he's fantastic. He's he's superb. He's a, he was always a great writer for Evo magazine. Yeah, you know, and uh, well, in fact, you can see that that's it's interesting. Actually, he's like some of the best motoring writers have always written for Evo. Uh, like uh, it was Harry's magazine yeah. originally. Uh, Chris Harris, obviously Henry Catchpole, uh, Jethro Bobbington, who's actually a, t- right. a presenter in Top Gear USA now. You know, so they're all those guys are the. Uh, the top of their game and just uh, we write a lot of stuff for RMS and then I read Evo and I'm like oh, I just feel like I'm such an imposter <laughs> <laughs> I haven't read some of the RMS stuff I don't think you are there's some great content yeah. on it to be fair uh, you're too kind you're, you're, you're bottom right up for something you, no have, one you have something on me here you're no my shit sandwich me that. <laughs> he's, he's being nice cop I'm being bad cop yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm usually both bipolar <laughs> Under our main topic for the day, then, I think we'll get into it with Andy here. So, as I said at the start, 
Andy is a massive part of the Northern Ireland car scene, whether people know him or not, and will have interacted with a lot of the stuff that he has done and brought to the scene. And again, maybe not even know. They might see you post on RMS, but again, maybe not have met you. And like you do go to the shows, but you're not in the thick of it, or you'll walk around, say hello to everybody, take your photos and head off kind of thing, where I will stand and want attention and wave at people and talk all day. <laughs> you'll you'll not necessarily find me standing at the the top at the podium. Yeah. You know, I'm not naturally that type of guy, but uh everyone at these shows and like you guys are all all mates. Yeah. And I met through this and we have the common interest. We love motors, you know, and that's that's, that's the main thing. As you say, though, for someone who isn't uh, as outgoing, you've done quite a lot of things over your, your car career, which we'll get into as well, which is amazing. And some of the stuff I was kind of looking back at, I kind of forgot about as well. So we'll get into it anyway. But just kick us off. How did you get into cars or what what started the love for them? Well, I guess family. It all always comes from the your, your upbringing. So the, t- the two sort of things that made RMS work for me was sort of into the IT side and one side and into the cars and the other. And mm-hmm. like my dad's side of the family were, you know, like engineers and practical and really randomly my granny and granda had like computers from the 80s all right yes early starters yeah or like my granny who's like late 90s and she uh has uh she publishes a wee magazine and like see if there's a problem with her laptop or her ipad and like she's 97 or something like that she's straight on to me and she sits she's 10 hours a day on the on the laptop, on email, on Facebook. She still hasn't got the idea of Facebook yet. She just, she likes something, she will type like. You know, yeah. one of those things. <laughs> well, but she's on it. She's reading. That's brilliant, yeah. Uh, it's on, on real. So 97. that's... 97. 97. and And, uh, like, everyone at family event, she's out with the digital camera, and then you get an email later on that evening with a picture. So you know, you know where I get that sort of thing? You know, yeah. that's... If if she was, you know, I could see her, her and me. So that's that side of the family. But the other side of the family are the, the are the gearheads. Yeah, totally. So uh, my granda was a mechanic. He raced uh, motorbikes and and cars. Very good. And then uh, two of his sons were mechanics as well. So whenever I went up up there, I was I was on the three wheeler. I was out in the mud plucker. I was out in the van in the field. That's exactly know, like me. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> all that sort of stuff uh, really got me in, into the cars, but. But back at school, like I, uh, it's funny, just re- recording here, I was more into uh, music and music production, and I thought that's what I was going to go into, ah, which yeah. is a totally random thing. And then uh, you're 16, and you're starting to see some of your mates who are a bit older than you in the year, starting to get driving and all the rest, and then you're like, hold on a second. And I remember when I was in lower sixth, and uh, my uh, best mate, Robert, he had just joined our school. He'd come from, from Enniskillen. and uh, he known as Bob. I, oh, I, Bob, I, Robert, I, so oh. Robert does, he, he was a uh, mechanic, the drift car, and f- super talented uh, guy, and just went to the end of the world to help me in, in drifting, but separately, we were back at school, and he was like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm going to uh, have a car at home already, he's like, you're only 16, he's, he not only had a car, he had a mobile phone <laughs> in the late in the late 90s, so like, he he was the guy. Did he have a pager as well? <laughs> <laughs> Disappear for long periods of time to collect some goods? He had <laughs> He, he had a, one of those, remember the Motorola flip phones, like oh, a StarTac? Oh, 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 yeah, just absolutely. I bet he had a girlfriend. With all that going on, that Oh, yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, he had, well, this is the thing. This is, that was why I wanted to drive cars. Cars get girls and you can yep. get away from the parents and you can do all that sort of freedom. stuff. So, freedom. Uh, total freedom, exactly. And, and it still is freedom, like, even in lockdown times when you shouldn't be out in the car and you take it out for 
five or 25 uh, a minutes. A drop of milk. Well, yes. here, um, my commute's normally 25 minutes, but in lockdown it took an hour for some reason. You, you kept getting diverted, didn't you? Uh, it was terrible, so it was. Yeah. All so, these smooth A-roads and f- no traffic, it was great. So driving a car, it's the feeling of freedom is just exactly the same. And especially when being in lockdown sort of give you that sort of 17-year-old feeling of, can I borrow the car? Yeah. Yeah, and then you had to put fuel. Mum, it's out of fuel again. <laughs> have, have, have this, this, it, this pedal keeps running out. I have to take it down to the jet station or whatever petrol stations there were back then and put £10 in and you get 120 miles. I was going to say a £10 would have filled it back then. Yeah, exactly. When I told my dad uh, I needed petrol, he says, Good, you can work to me for the day. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's spuds to be picked. I used to, well, that's it. I used to, well, more so for my motorbikes, I used to drain the petrol out of my dad's motorbikes to put into mine when I was younger. <laughs> Twenty-eight pounds used to take to fill the Nova. I and the same car you owned up to what? Well, you were on the road a few years ago, mm. and what I was up to fifty something. Fifty then? something after, yeah. In the space when of, I was first driving, it was twenty-eight quid. In less than ten years, mm. it's unreal. Back when I was younger. Well, not when you were younger. She wasn't. <laughs> she wasn't driving. I'll not tell you what it took to fill my car. <laughs> when I was younger. Before decimal is eight. Two shillings. <laughs> Petrol was ninety-five p a liter when I learned to drive. So there you go. Well, it's only ninety-nine today, isn't it? Is it I still that? Is it, no, like it's, it's starting to rise again. Super was one twenty for me the other day. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Because uh, I was thinking about just as a total segue, I was test driving a Hyundai Kona electric three yeah. week, two, three or four weeks ago. I put the review up on RMS there recently. And uh, electric cars are 25, 30% more expensive than their petrol equivalent. You can buy a petrol Kona for like 25 grand and it's mid 30s for an electric one, which it's like, well, you need to save a lot of money on your on ordinary fuel. fuel unless you are, uh, and you could say you're a tree hugger, but the cost of building those cars and the manufacturing yeah. issues, you know, where you're just moving the, the carbon footprint elsewhere. But uh, if fuel got 25% cheaper, then it, the electric car makes, makes even less sense. Mm-hmm. But if yeah. it goes up, if, if we hit 150 litre or who knows what's going to happen with the economy, then it'll be a slightly uh, different you, story. You could find the push towards that might be that they'll just start wrecking the price of fuel up. Yeah. You know, to try and force you into what you just said there is the sensible way of thinking is, this is now getting to the point where it is cheaper or as cheap to have an electric car. Yeah, but we'll come back to EVs or not. Maybe it'll be a whole other... We'll we'll put that as a third podcast on list if you'll have me back. Never, never, never. never. No. No. No surrender. <laughs> Drive them. The good ones will open your eyes. They are... Have the you had her on the Tesla? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Model S it. years ago and just the drivability is just unbelievable. It's the... Uh, my daily driver is 640D so 3 litre twin turbo diesel remapped it's 380 brake and it just has it has such a widespread of torque yeah and uh, but it's still then you could drive electric and you're like oh this my diesel has flat spots <laughs> <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean it highlights the problems yeah, yeah, yeah it's just pure linear delivery uh, it's, um, it's unbelievable in fact the, the Kona uh, so the Kona is a petrol or electric so it's almost like a conversion you lift the, the bonnet and it's like well there should be a 1 litre 3 cylinder uh, turbo petrol in there uh-huh. and they've just whipped it out and dropped in a uh, f- uh, electric drive you know so it's like a bit of a conversion but it's, cool. but it's a bit of a, a hot rod conversion so i think i talked about this in the article like if you think of a the kona's a small suv family car so that is like cash kai and juke and all that sort of stuff in there normally like a 120 140 brake diesel mm-hmm. probably a renault engine because it's a cadger or they're all they're all sh- share all the same the same components and it's supposed to be 
kind of slow but kind of frugal and, and you don't ban it for the engine no it's there for to move people around the Kona's 200 horse and 300 pound foot of torque and it's 300 pound <laughs> foot of torque That's... from nothing yeah so you put it in sport I remember taking the my, uh, my, my dad and my father and I was like come out and see this you have to come up I'll take you out in the Kona and they've never been in an electric car before and we just stopped in the middle of the road in the sport and just emptied it and they were just you know banging about in the seats like skittles yep and and actually torque steer like if, if you ever launched a, like a, a Mark One Focus RS and just wants to drive into hedge, uh, VXRs, <laughs> and things like that, you know, yeah. just and you're, you're just like what, what this is this is like an SUV that, that this is a kids to school type vehicle and you know sixty and seven seconds you can only do about one hundred and five mile an hour, uh-huh. but all the you have all the performance you could ever want up to about eighty, and then the Tesla is a different ball game where it's just ridiculous and you have uh, there's nothing really like it unless it is. Supercar league, yeah, it's in the big, big money then. Yeah, and then it's into the delivery and the fact that then we get into all sorts of stuff. We'll talk about EVs another day, but like things like the torque factoring and you know where if you have individual motors on each corner of the car, uh-huh. it's not like a four wheel drive system where you have it's split one. your transmission, yeah, and you can just have your yeah, it's front to back, and then a bit you have a bit of smart braking or something like that where the car is helping you turn into the corner, whereas the Tesla can well we we just spin up. And it's back left, <laughs> you know, that's and that's seriously? and that's and that's when when they bring out the likes of the Roadster, if it has a bit of range, because it's not really much use for a track day if you can only do ten laps, and yeah. then you have to charge it for for forty five minutes. But uh, if they get the range and the performance right, that stuff on track will be you'll you take that to a track day, and it'll be the easiest thing to drive, and you'll absolutely destroy everything. Yeah, that that'll be interesting to see when they do trickle down into the. The lower ends of the market, it's more affordable, you know, yeah. what's going to happen there. And that'll come with the ID Volkswagen, like they, yeah. they want to make this, you know, that, that will that will force the, the, the new Golf, the, pr- the prices down. It's only a matter of time, economies of scale, and five years down the line, the car wars will be a different case from the gallery. And, yeah. and I, I will go back to me, I don't really want to talk about me, that's why I like talking about other stuff, as, 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 <laughs> as you can well, tell. going back. But, but uh, take the uh, great cars to buy right now, say like an F80 M3. Yep. Huge success story for BM, no matter what you think, or oh, it's too hard in the road or whatever else. 60 grand. Tesla Model 3 performance, 55 grand. It's faster than the M3 and it costs less than the diesel Clio to run. And did Chris you Harris know. said, he said nearly handled better than the M3? They, they dr- it was the fastest lap. There's something in the race that against each other. They dr- the Teslas drive quite well, yeah. And it's the it's the whole, a lot of weight. Weight is a massive issue. So they see the Kona was 1.6 ton, the Model 3, I think it's. Is it nearly two ton or something like that? There, one point nine, uh, and uh, but a slow center of mass, and then the f- the fact that you can play with the part instant part delivery, and then the the way you can play with the with the torque, this torque factoring, which is a fancy way of saying we can put you have one pedal, but we'll decide where the power goes. Yeah, it's just incredible. It's effortless sort of thing. At, at totally, it's so. And new uh, world approaches. New world, new world approaches, but that's where you want still want to have. There's nothing like driving manual rear driven yeah well that's what nice i was gonna say note. like my thing is i get annoyed about enough about my car beeping not me to tell me to put my seatbelt on where i'm like no no i'm the human you're the machine i tell you what to do you do what i so say <laughs> where so if a car starts do you, do you driving itself voice, and yeah i do <laughs> <laughs> picking what wheels and stuff i'm like no no i didn't want to do that now maybe i would have gone into the hedge but that was my decision yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think jay leno Put it very well there about a year ago when he was talking to these electric cars. Embrace them because they're saving your petrol car future 
So embrace these, drive these so that we can keep the pedal cars on, on the road. Yeah. You know? Oh, like I, I think all I will always have a piston car. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, for my job with driving and stuff all the time, if there was a viable electric alternative that I could drive, yeah, I probably would. For that very reason, to say that I drive this all week and I have my fun car for the weekends, that would be fine because, much as I love the Sirocco, it's an appliance. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. a get from A to B. It's, it's not a Nova. Yeah. yeah, it's not. It hasn't got the like the characteristics. Of so the if there stuff. was a get from A to B. Is it, it's not the biggest problem with some electric cars. They're built to look like a, a plant. They look like they come out of underneath a shelf and carries. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. the uh, <laughs> the BMW i3. We oh, had one of them in white. You yeah. could roll it, it in like by. Toaster. You could yeah. roll it in by a, as a Nusi uh, dishwasher, <laughs> yeah. and you'd maybe get into the wrong one. Yeah. <laughs> Next thing oh. you're in cycle three tumbles right? <laughs> <laughs> around. More rinsey than this. Goes even more exciting. <laughs> oh dear. So well before the commonplace electric cars then what was your first car so uh my mum had a mark three cavalier uh 16l yep always power steering manual sunroof front electric windows oh she was a fancy fancy. cream interior in red black bumpers Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) importantly boot or hatchback she was a saloon sir oh a proper one yeah so drove that for a while and, and, and it was fine but uh, mate of mine, he had a uh, Corolla. Now, don't get excited. It's not a, it was a front wheel drive, <laughs> mid 90s uh, Corolla, and he always used to dust me in uh-huh. his car. It's like, it's lighter, it's more reliable. He could, he could rev the nuts off it. Yep, typical job. And uh, so I was on my dad, and he's like, this is, this Cavalier's on his last legs. And it was coming up to, it was over 10 year old, and, and, and you know, it was getting the life cut out of it yep. all the time. In my head, I have Andrew going to his garage and, is Dan him building like Dom? <laughs> We're going to smoke that Corolla. <laughs> we'll learn him. Two liter transplant in the Cavalier. No, and red top mate. <laughs> so Dad and I were never involved in car projects, but I rem- did remember giving off to Isaac. Like, Dad, we need to do something about the rust in the Cavalier, and it was all rotten around the top of the, the windscreen. So I have a picture of him standing one foot in either seat, standing through the sunroof. With the grinder, just grinding <laughs> off, <Right in. laughs> and they just touched it. He says, "That'll that'll do you some." Uh, it's too loud in front of Robin there. <laughs> so, so that, but that was when back when I was uh, uh, seventeen, and uh, just new on the road. Yep, just just new on the road. But but even before I was on the road, my, my mate Robert he had a he had a Polo bread van Polo late eighties. Uh, that was going to be his first car. It was sitting at home for him to drive when he was. Uh, he lived on a farm, so he had to have a car. And and what year was this? Ninety nine. Yeah, so the, the likes of the bread van wouldn't have been that old then; it'd been ten year old, ten year old, something, yeah. something like that, one liter, or whatever, whatever else. But I remember going up to his house for the first time, and uh, he had he had the door panels off and cables everywhere. And I was like, "What on earth are you doing?" So I'm putting a radio in and new speakers. And I was oh. like, "You're doing what?" <laughs> and me being <laughs> into be <laughs> yeah, me and being into music and electronics and that sort of stuff. So started working on that, and then that's where the total interest in car audio, car audio came, and that was sort of uh, setting up the the interest in the cars yeah. as well, because of what what we were we were messing about with. So uh, had the Cavalier, but wanted my own car, and then started working part time, Duns, Tesco's, all this sort of stuff, uh, and then I was on a placement year, and but I said right, you'll need to try something to drive to work, so we'll change the car. But you have to buy your mum a car and 
pay me back so nearly half my wages at like minimum wage back then heading straight into the car heading straight into it was actually buying an Almira from my mum so we bought uh bought my Corolla uh-huh. and then I had to save up to buy them Almira because <sighs> The Corolla. The Corolla. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Nigel's going back. I just had flashbacks. You have just had a, a, a moment. Like I, I've been looking through uh, some uh, pictures here, and I'm just going to show this guy. So this is a, this is a '98 Corolla hatch, uh, but uh, this is uh, this is since I had uh, modified it with. Uh, oh yeah. Oh I. We'll have to share photos. Red, red hatch lowered uh, wolf race wheels. Is that uh, the GR kit? GR yeah, GR kit with a WRC spoiler. Do you know what it actually looks quite well even now. And uh, she was on uh, KYBs and KYB Springs and Coney Shocks or something oddball uh-huh. like that from from that was a big deal. That was a big deal back then, like yeah, because you weren't having like cheap coilovers away. Even even the way like good coilovers now have got a lot cheaper back then. I think like Specs RSX was probably the cheaper end, and you're still talking seven hundred quid and that money back then. Like so so uh, like. You probably wonder, well, how's a guy part time? You know, was this just bank of mum and dad? And, and not, not at all. Uh, but I was a student, and I was student loans. I was, I was uh, at, living at home, <laughs> and I was like, well, I feel you, Andy. I, I got them loans too. It was great. Wheels, <laughs> wheels, and suspension. I was like, well, a thousand pound would would put all that in the car. So I uh, spoke to spoke to the student loans company. Are very accommodating for such things. <laughs> the zero point the zero point zero two percent repay rate. Yeah, what appealed to me. You know? Yeah, I'm still paying it back, but I really don't care. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so yeah, I was probably paying for that wheels and suspension for about ten years. <laughs> <laughs> It's all right. So even now they're all financed anyway, so it's no uh, different. Oh well, that's that's what he's trying to say. It's a, the the new Gulf Rs. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually telling Connor on the way here. I saw one of those Corollas on the road yesterday, on my way back from Cork in '97. And I said I was trying to describe it to him. I was like, you know, the ones that are round. Everything about them's round. Yeah. The whole car's round. The lights are round. Everything's round. Well, you see, the, what I loved about that was that was the shape of the WRC car at the time yeah. as well. Right. So it was, uh, which is of course why I had my that stupid name. My my username was like RMS Corolla WRC. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Here, I'm 42 and my Instagram handles VW Boy. So uh, <laughs> relax, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Mine was, uh, mine's Domino Car, and it was literally because I had to come up with a username, and at the time, I worked in Domino's, and I drove a car. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody uh, thinks it's some kind of Japanese anime so avatar or something, <laughs> but it's, no, D- I D- Dominica, for Domino's. That's the way I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Way I pronounced it. I, I actually have Lee saved in my phone still, we, getting on to RMS, but like, we met through RMS, and I had her saved as her username on it, and still on my phone. And people look at me- I like, oh, look at that message from Lee, and they're like, who's Dominica? And I'm like, oh, don't even ask. <laughs> well, but I still, Connor's still saved in my phone as Connor Polo. Yeah. <laughs> well, Gr- Graham Curry was a famously called Car Club, or Cat That's Lube. right. Yep. Cat Club. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bad spacing. Absolutely fabulous. So, uh, so yeah, so, uh, into the Corolla, and, uh, it was built as a show car. <laughs> like, I don't know, that's absolutely laughable. Yeah, when you can see, was, but back then that was a show car. It's the thing that it's gotten out of the point where show cars that people are building, like kind of every day people are building is nearly what back then you would have been seen sitting at SEMA or massive, you know, yeah. cars built just to be a show car and sit there and do nothing. You know, there's people drive, building those now and then taking them out to drive, but it's just different times. I, I don't know if people had the same access to uh, cash. Yeah. Either disposable in- yeah. income or, or loans back then. Yeah. 
no definitely you're, you're right fi- there finance is so much easier 20 years later like yeah the fact that you can finance like near like wheels suspension and you can turn around and say well if you're putting wheel suspension it's not a show car but that frees up your cash money then for paint jobs you know if you do want to go down that route or even buy another engines and things like that you know you're if you can even finance half of it it's still a big deal so i had the um corolla at the same time was it i was at queen's uh i had broken up with what i thought was a long-term girlfriend they'll be going out with a girl for a couple of years (laughs) yeah yeah and i threw the head up and said to my man look i'm gonna move out and uh live in belfast with a bunch of guys for a year go and sow your wild oats yeah yeah well that was the plan (laughs) (laughs) we played a lot of college (laughs) it was doom (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) so uh so I moved into a house with these guys. I did very little. Uh... Just had a vision in betweeners and Andy. <laughs> oh yeah, totally, <laughs> Ab- absolutely. Our American Pie was <laughs> <Something> in between. <laughs> and uh, I'm with these guys for a year, and um, it was the best crack. Did where, where do you live in Belfast? Uh, just off Tate's Avenue, Tate's Donnybrook Avenue. Street. Yeah. And uh, so it, it was incredible, but uh, that's where I had. So much time on my hands to do whatever, whatever I want. Didn't go to Queens that much. I should have went to went yeah, a bit more. Yeah. So spent more time in the bot or the egg or the limelight or some yep. somewhere like Socializing, that. Socializing, so yeah, yeah, and and enjoying ourselves. But but also uh, doing random stuff like, uh, of course, I was into car audio back back then, and um, there was a place in Coleraine, and the name escapes me now. But there was a sales guy, Jerry. Was it Car and Home or something like that? There, the Sound of Motion, was it? No, 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 no. A Sound of Motion, where uh, Ballymena or Eglinton, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Paul Houston, who again got uh, Paul's a, a great guy, know, know him a long time from this period of time where we would go around the car audio places and be chatting to the guys and seeing what they're doing because we were just into it. And I remember trying to get the first. Uh, MP3 head unit in the country it was a Kenwood one and all oh. excited it's like we should really go to Queen's but on a Monday morning but you know what we'll just try to call rain instead you know what I mean and get bits <laughs> I did that as well you know so you know to have 20 quid left on the loan just to top that up and make the uh, make whatever it was to get the, the radio but uh, re- so really got into uh, car audio and then of course you're talking to people and there's guys and I building this course and uh, Guy Galvin from Ballyclare actually and he said building this course and one a big uh um, I set up and car audio was just so big back then that was where they were biggest car shows going to the sound yeah. offs yeah the car know. shows were car audio events basically yeah yeah it was car audio events with a show yeah. bolted onto the side of it so so uh, exactly so we went to events like down at Audio Vice and you were seeing some of the builds were um, an Audio Vice uh, Phil down there the stuff he's built over the years has just been um, incredible and such a high standard but some of the other stuff that people have done themselves and the rest of me were looking at it it's like yep Oh, you can see how they've wired that. We can see how they've built the fiberglass. And so, uh, same myself and Robert and uh, a couple of other guys, Ken and Alan, they were, we were all a big in, into their, our cars as mates are. And we thought we'll have our own sort of uh, talents for doing uh, different things. Some guys were good at like trimming and bits and pieces like that. I wasn't, but I was in the electronic side of things and putting in relays and low pass filters in and all that sort of stuff and umps. And as we said, yeah, well, we could give that a go for you. So suddenly we had this guy who was spending um, thousands on his courses, prepared to spend thousands with a couple of guys who know nothing. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I actually, uh, we'll maybe put this up somewhere, but this is a picture of the homepage of RMS, and that, that's the car, in, the car in question. That and is it, going back there, yeah. 
So that's that's what RMS looked like at like two thousand two thousand and one. Uh, but this, but that, but even building that car was was sort of pre website. So we were building a boot build and putting speakers in the head unit and stuff like that. But uh, at the same time, the internet was becoming a big thing. I had the Corolla, mate Robert, he had a Corsa, and he was always on the Corsa Sport, and that was, it was a big forum back yeah. in the early 2000s, and, and I remember seeing him on Corsa Sport, because he said, oh, I need to ask a question about this, uh, where, I, where I can tap into this cable and all the rest, and I, and I, was, looking, I was like, that's class, so I joined up Corsa Sport, didn't have a Corsa, and was looking through. I'd done that all the time back then, anything I was working on, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I need to work on this, join it, McCann Owners Club, nothing. Yeah, 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 <laughs> but there wasn't, there wasn't many forums of, uh, um, about back then it was probably you count them on a couple of hands really right. and unfortunately is it like that today yeah well, it's just come sort of uh, full circle so so whilst we were working on this build uh, I thought you know what maybe it'd be good to put take a few pictures put them online you know I'm doing a great degree in electrical and software engineering and it's sort of I like tied that in. sort of stuff yeah tied in and uh, and have plenty of time on my hands in the student house so I uh, took a few pictures and then, uh, and then we started going to events with that car, and I thought we'll take a few more pictures whilst I'm there, and I'll put them up. Then, and it wasn't me telling other people; it was always other people telling other people about RMS. It was called Really Mean Sounds yeah. back then. And I said, "Oh yeah, I go," and I sort of, you know, oh, that guy over there, see him with the wee, the wee uh, digital camera, which was my dad's, by the way, <laughs> which was probably works. There's a professional photographer over there. <laughs> <laughs> see, he stole that camera. See the man with the silver compact camera there. <laughs> Here, that boy's carrying about a half megapixel camera. <laughs> it must be loaded. <laughs> I can take ten photos. <laughs> so, uh, so that's that's where that that started, and uh, sort of between the two things, I'd be putting pictures up, and I started to get emails through about, oh, did you get? Because then it was, oh, I I had my car there. Did you get a picture of it? And then sort of you're hoping it out, and oh, I don't have, and you sort of getting a few inquiries, and then uh, and then between being on this forum, I was like, you know. Wonder could I uh, get a forum going here? And then I had to teach myself about uh, f- installing forum software and getting a server and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, and then it was I think it was the eighth of November, two thousand and one, that I did the first posts. Skynet the, went live. Sky, well, <laughs> it actually went live on the twenty eighth because I did a bit of testing. So all the guys in the student house did all the testing and like posting stuff and replying and then it was like even what sections like I didn't even know what sections I would need to have and you know it was just a complete blank sheet so it was like do you have like a car section and the members cars and like a for sale section and there probably only was four or five sections yeah on the on the whole on the whole forum and then I put it live and I put a few links I was actually also a member of there was a site in the south called aimandobrand.com a forum um, I don't think Cruise IRL was about back then. I remember that. Cruise IRL, but yeah. I don't remember the other one. Yeah, yeah. So I think it was just pre-Cruise IRL um, because the Cruise IRL guys came from Eamon, Eamon O'Brien and I posted the link at Eamon O'Brien and anyone who's from the north who was on that site joined up RMS straight away. Aye, because it was a northern, like a more local site. Totally. So uh, other people I knew and recognise some of these names because they've, they've helped out with the form. They've been part of the furniture almost. So uh, Pablo Paul yeah. who is been on a, as a moderator and helped me out the forums at the start but he was into the car audio and he always went to the, the shows and we uh, he lived quite close to me so Paul and I knew each other and it's like oh you need a bit he had loads of bits not only is he a guy who can turn his hand to car audio but if you've seen his thread in his VX220 he, yeah he can he, turn his hand to anything yeah yeah so it, he uh, when I see him posting anything in particular even if it's not something I like 
I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to have a flick through and see what he's up to because there's always something mad. You just sort of give it a go. And and we totally unfairly used to say when he bought something, it was, uh, we called it Cat P because it was uh, Cat Pablo. <laughs> 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 and uh, we thought there'd be a whole new classification but from the DVLA for his cars. And, uh, oh, like he, he just is, uh, that's totally untrue and totally unfair. And the guy's had an absolute talent and what he's done with that VX220 and RMS, if you want to read the, his his build thread, he has went from a, a fairly shabby looking car to uh, completely rebuilding it from the ground up, supercharging it, mapping it himself. He's painting it at the moment. He hasn't told anyone, but I've put it on the podcast now. So, <laughs> so it really depends when this goes out and who listens to it. He but, needed to let everybody know by Wednesday, I think. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he's painting in his garage, but he's done a lot of painting in his garage before. And yeah, like, so he, even back when he when I joined, he did the white E thirty six M three, yeah, probably in around two thousand six, yeah. And I think even back then he was doing like wheels and things like that. So oh, I suppose yeah. over time he's just built it up. Oh, I so he's just he's just someone who can do. Uh, I could do a lot with a little, mm-hmm. and uh, like nearly one of those people, if you didn't have your hand with anything at yeah, all, he could turn guys out there that can do everything. <laughs> <laughs> I I can barely tie my shoelaces. <laughs> I can give it a go. Don't worry. So he joined the forum straight away, and he was he was. IT, he was he was working in IT, he was a few years older than me and was actually had his first first job. But uh, also really randomly, I was walking to Queen's, probably late and hungover one day, uh, up Eglantine, and um, I was walking past and there was this VTI Civic. It's a big deal back then, this is before Civic Type R's, and yeah. black VTI Civic, and uh, there was these computer parts lying on the ground, which always looked like they'd been dropped, and I was like, that's that guy... Gaz from aimandobrian.com so I, I took all the bits and clipped them under his wiper and sent him a message to Eamon O'Brien and he, and, uh, he says yeah oh, I actually live up there sure must be up for, for a pint and then he yeah. joined RMS and then he's, and he says oh I, I he used to be a moderator on uh, on motornet.ie in like 2000 and then on, on uh, Eamon O'Brien so it's like oh, someone who has experience in these things that I just <laughs> pulled out of my ass <laughs> yeah. but that's it started really really small and like Maybe by the end of two thousand one, there was only like fifty users. Yeah, and then, but then I started going to more shows yeah. and talking to more people about it. And I, and I wouldn't necessarily say go out and shout about it, but I would maybe put a wee sticker on the side of the car. Yeah, or back Check in the day we had like a business card or something like really oh. terrible. You know, <laughs> under like, the wipers. Oh yeah, and yeah. I gave you a card. <laughs> no, this, this is before. Before forget about Facebook, before MySpace and all yeah. that sort of stuff, you know, like there was there was nothing like that to promote yourself. You didn't promote yourself online. You did it. By top word of mouth, so you did it in a, in a magazine, or you had to be out there. Yeah, yeah, totally. I remember first starting RMS, like and the buzz around it. There was nothing like it, you know. And there's meets and all organised and stuff. And well, yeah, well, even uh, I was thinking about how we maybe met, and so I lived near Molusk, and you guys would always have the GTI yeah. or Club GTI, or whatever it was called back then, Co- yeah. a Coors Corner, which oh, was no, around the corner. Sorry, cor- it was Chimney Corner. Chim at the Chim. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I remember always going round to those because it was so close and see all this mad stuff. Yeah. Like you, po- you talked about, uh, you didn't talk about Jamie Ferguson's uh, car recently. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that, that was, was Mimi. Mimi. Yeah. Mimi. Mimi Ferguson. <laughs> Mimi. Sorry. And so I uh, so it was Jamie Ferguson, not Mimi Ferguson. Was that the? Uh, but so I remember he had like it was a like a Mark One Ibiza, yeah, that's and uh, and that always stuck in my head because it was an, an awesome car. But yeah, so so that's somewhere like that there, and it's like oh these mates are cool. But it was also the time when 
they had just finished doing the motor show in the King's Hall, maybe late 90s and stuff yeah. like that. So I remember my dad taking me to, the, or my uncles taking me to the motor show or whatever, wherever it was. And then they had like the Belfast sports car show. And there was some still some high profile events that the dealers would have went to back then. So went to those sorts of things and took pictures as well. But then that all seemed to stop. But then the modified shows really took off took because over, it was yeah. it was the max power heyday, you know. So and Fast and the Furious came out. Fast and the Furious yeah. came out in in oh one. Four play was oh two at the Odyssey. Yeah, oh three. I think. Yeah, yeah, it was Paul Houston's show actually. Was that, that his yeah, show? Yeah, that was his show. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that was a, a real push in the standard. That was yeah, an attempt, yeah. you know. They just pushed the seats back in the Odyssey and just. Cars. Yeah. Even looking at that, I seen photos of it a few weeks ago. I don't know how I come across them. And when you look at it, there wasn't even that many cars at it. But I remember he hearing about thought it at the time it, yeah. it was enormous. <laughs> but when you look back, it was like an overhead shot of the Odyssey, and it was just there was maybe well what looked to be about maybe forty cars kind of crammed in tight. And you were like, but I remember being there and going, "This is unbelievable." Yeah, it was bunged. It sure was bunged. But I, I think that's part of how the world's changed. Like now, well, not not today, but. Maybe before three, four months ago, if you wanted to go to a show, a flight was fifty or sixty quid. You hired a car at the other side, you did it all online, and you went, you went to an, an enormous show, a big Foxhall show or whatever. You would go to, uh, or like Goodwood or yeah. anything, you know, which is a huge show. But back then, you had to make a real effort and read. You needed to be a member of a big club or something yeah. like that and get in the magazine. And then it's like your summer holiday would be going to a trip like that. So. Yeah. Us in Northern Ireland, you know, we didn't really have that high expectations. That's you know? right. We never really do. We're, we just kind of go. Mm-hmm. Nobody gets too excited about things here. So yeah, yeah. So so back then, I suppose, like we didn't really know what a big show was. Yeah, was apart from the motor show, and it was because uh, all the dealers were bringing all the stuff and not modified, modified stuff. Yeah, yeah. So there was never anything um, massive. And I was looking back through some of the. So I was still going then. Suddenly, at that stage, the the car. We did a few other car auto projects, but that sort of fell on its ass. But the forum just had, off. you know, had the interest and between that and then going to events and taking pictures. And then I remember if it was like Sunday night or Monday when people were back into work or in the school or whatever else. And people were going on to the forum and talking about the pictures and all the rest. Because even back then, RMS was the only place that were taking the pictures, really. Yeah. Maybe there was there was John 44W and RMS and that was really it in, in Northern Ireland. It wasn't, you weren't going on and there was... 50 people or 500 people on Facebook who had taken hundreds yeah. of photos each. You continually looked on the website after an event to see yeah. if there was a picture of your car up. Yeah. I remember even being in school, like, I think I joined mid-06, so I'd been in around GCSE kind of age and I'd just started driving and going to, I think the first car show I ever went to that I had a car at was Carnology. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. James. And... Oh. I remember being on and like refreshing for like a day or two, like oh, there's new photos up, there's new photos yeah. up, you know that kind of thing. Like, yeah. And just and as you said, not everybody had a digital camera back then. Where even again back to finance, you can finance things now, or you know, back then you're going to have to buy it outright or borrow it from someone. Or everyone has a phone. Everyone has a phone in their pocket. Yeah, exactly. Or, or a camera in their camera, pocket. Uh, yeah, and probably be- Well, would be better than anything we were taking on back then. Oh, totally. Totally, exactly. And, and then so easy as well for people just to, you hit two buttons, it's uploaded Facebook, whereas it was connect the camera to the computer and upload resize everything. the picture, upload, write a pile of code and all that, you know, so it was... Or put them on, was it photo bucket and oh, you had yeah. to have something to host like the photos? Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. Well, this is probably pre, pre yeah. the photo hosting before website. That yeah, before, before that, because so then, then over time it got a lot easier to do all that sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, so then, so then that became totally addictive and I was trying to go to from a small amount of shows then to going to absolutely everything and driving the co- the length and breadth of the, of the country in my wee Corolla. Um, yeah, the red Corolla was every show like when you went to it. That's, that's it. Right. 
Yeah, so that's and that that was maybe the indicator to people because I wasn't shouting about it, but oh, Andy's car's there. There's going to be pictures in RMS. Yeah, and the, and that's and that's how RMS built its reputation, and that still matters now. Like we still we still go to stuff. We don't go to everything, or I try and get other people to go or, yeah. or whatever else. But trying to get the the content does matter, and it's strange now. It, it has switched to a bit more of a a corporate look, but part of that is because as I discovered as years went on, like suddenly it's like right. I can't do like the free hosting website. You need to buy sir a server. Hosting costs money, and when and then get bigger bills go up. Servers and yeah. and and then it became you know there was quite a lot in making sure the site was fast and easy to use and always up and all that sort of stuff. But and it's a labour of love. I um, it's your baby. Yeah, it's my baby. Yeah. I totally like have did I want to give it up? Did I want to sell it? And I've been approached in the past, and and it's like no, well, no, it's just it's just part of me, and I've never tried to make it. Um, the big thing or the main thing it's 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 for people to have and if I get if if it works for me because I was able to launch like I did my drifting and I used the career term <laughs> incredibly loosely <laughs> but uh, but I know it's there because I love cars and I love driving and, and it allows me to do a lot of things because of all the contacts and help yeah. that yeah. people are prepared to you know which is which is brilliant you turn and say well I I uh, run RMS and people just, oh I'm on RMS I've been on there for 10 years and then suddenly someone's really willing to help yeah with, you build relationships with people too and friendships and yeah like as I say a vast majority of my friends in fact we talked about this before Lee that I I don't have any friends that I don't know through cars like I don't have any friends at all that mm-hmm. I don't know through cars or motorbikes Lee and I met through RMS I know loads of couples I think there was a recent thread actually somebody bumped back up again about RMS couples the likes of uh, Mark Scott, Mook, and Elaine, they mm-hmm. met through it. It's just, it's one of those things that brings people together. But the weird thing is now, forums are dying off because of Facebook and, you know, Facebook, Instagram, it's Facebook groups especially are a, an absolute mess. Mm-hmm. Where forums, you can kind of like, I like, but I, I, I'd sit and go back through build threads from 10 years ago and go, how do you do this? How do you do that? You know, and it's interesting to see what was happening. It's a resource. Yeah, it's, that's a, it's it. a knowledge base, exactly. And the groups and all the rest, they, it's, it's impossible to try and find out, well, what type of thermostat do I need for this particular engine? Well, one thing that really angered me too was when Photobucket went down and they, they, they pulled everything. It was like, oh, you're going to charge, was it $400 a year or something? It's crazy. And I was like, uh, I think a lot of forums felt that because then that resource that was there that they were paying to keep... Killed a lot of threads. Like yeah. e- even, uh, for example, for RMS, then what, what we did as a result of Photobucket uh, kicking the bucket was uh, anything that you... Uh, Post even if it's from photo pocket, we'll suck it onto RMS to keep the copy. Oh, that's good. Yeah, because, that, that actually makes more that makes sense because I used to keep three updated. Yeah, and I would have uploaded the RMS first and then copied it. Yeah, and brought it across. So those other websites are probably pulling off your website. Like, likely, but and that, and that's uh, and that's where cost now. So then I'm suddenly yeah, storage and that must be megs gigs and now in the terabytes of yeah. of of storage and millions and millions of photos you know and and uh, and that's become a wee bit expensive but that's where the reputation of the site has helped yeah. and the sort of goodwill and then suddenly it's like it's uh, and again i'm not a naturally outgoing it depends how many beers i've had but <laughs> <laughs> but it's a saturday morning and i am sober that's <laughs> so that's impressive well done <laughs> you didn't curb any wheels driving no no <laughs> So that's really helped where I say I'm not naturally approaching people. I'm not a natural salesman or anything like that, but it has helped, you know, that people will come to me and ask about, well, we'd like some sponsorship in RMS and I'll work really hard for those people. But generally I'm not asking and the reputation of RMS has helped get those sponsors yeah. like... You're not out chasing it. 
Yeah, totally. Like so then, so then you have mad things like uh, when Top Gear Live came here, the Top Gear getting a touch, and that was actually Dan Anslow. So he worked for brand events, and I was like, yeah. Dan, this will sound really random. But whenever you used to come over and do shoots over here, there was probably a guy in the background with a wee camera. <laughs> <laughs> a specific one would have been um, why that boy with a fancy camera. <laughs> um, what do you call him with the yellow, the yellow Fiesta? I, I have some photos with me. Yeah, I think I know the photos you're going to show me. It was you and Rocco and the whole yeah. guy on top of a multi-story car park in Belfast, I remember right? You're, you're absolutely right. Blonde but... highlights might have been involved. Yes. The yeah, photos very of their day. <laughs> uh, the fo- hey, I have blonde highlights. <laughs> you're allowed them, it's fine. And plenty of silver ones too at the I moment. W- I wish I had her for blonde highlights. <laughs> yeah, so I'm just, um, we'll, we'll, we'll post these pictures up, but I'm just showing the guys here at the moment. So, so uh, the first of what, uh, I haven't done these in order, but that's it's that's a pe- that's yeah. a that's a picture of a meet at a Tesco's at Knock and Goni, and does it tell us when that like was? Two thousand three. That's crazy! Like two thousand three. <laughs> it's what seventeen years ago. Okay, so so this chap here is inspecting a that's daily a rim. Uh-huh. It is indeed. I know. So uh, they came off a of Sierra. What one evening? Not corner. That uh, was not corner. <laughs> and there seems to be a new tire on it. Would that be right? That there was. Why there would was, that be? That. Uh, <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> uh, this this is a picture of eighteen uh, L uh, Vauxhall Carlton on its roof. Wait, who's at, driving that? At uh, was, it it, was it was it Mark Maxwell? It was, he was trying to drift the uh, <laughs> he was trying to drift the hairpin at uh, Nuts Corner and decided to put the car on the roof. Of course, instead. That, that, that's one, uh-huh. and uh, with uh, Jackie Dag, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So some of the events Jackie, that we Jackie. that we yes, uh, you know that you know you you were maybe sometimes behind the scenes and chatting to people and uh, it kind of opens up avenues for you to go into. You can yeah, sort of get that you quite literally. Before. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Well, yeah, I don't I don't think that avenue opened for him. Unfortunately, <laughs> I think it was a dead end. <laughs> it was a no entry sign and a <laughs> please turn now. Oh yeah, so there's that. That was actually at that shoot. Uh, there, that's the one that, that's there's the the famous photo of uh, Dan from Max Power and Rocco and myself with the Burger King bags yeah. from the, from probably two thousand and three or something like that. What do you call the guy who owned that car, that Fiesta? Andy Andrew, someone, uh, and he had he had yellow Fiesta, like black scallops up the side of it, and he had RMS. The, he had the website address really mean sounds come airbrushed onto his bonnet, ah. which was just madness. So so other people. So this this is a picture of like me back in like. Uh, when I was like twenty or twenty one, <laughs> so this this chap here is oh, is uh, Botsy Butler. <laughs> That's right. Yep. You know oh, yeah. who has Famous become now. become yeah. Well, he's become mon- monster energy uh, sportsman driver. He's now working out in China yeah, yeah. in one of these theme parks. You know, so uh, and uh, Botsy's he's he's an absolute uh, mentalist, but nice mm-hmm. fella. And uh, so I know him from 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 those oddball days back when Everyone when was I was out with my camera. Go. You know, so so like that's. RMS opening doors when I didn't actually ask them to be open, but people are just generally nice and yeah. sort of. I've always felt like, well, if we give RMS and I try and make it as best as possibly can for people, you know, that'll they that'll give come. Back. That'll that'll give yeah, and they have given back. And we're talking about the amount of pictures and stuff it has, and then the cost of all that bandwidth and all the rest, and the goodwill of people. That means like randomly like Top Gear for a pr- promo to use cars NI and. Wilson's auctions and all those other guys that that Who's advertise sponsor? that that sponsor on the on the site, and I still get queries now and again, and and I'm not out on the phone, and I and I sort of I've thought about it many times. You know, oh, I I should be on the phone, and this could be my full time job and all the rest. But it would totally change the nature of the way I feel about the site. Yeah, mm. yeah. you know, it's because uh, you would be pushing it then. It would kind of feel forced as such. If you had, if you're thinking right, well, maybe things is dropping off, and I need more money here. You're forcing them, forcing it. 
I think natural things appeal more to people when they think of there's something behind it as in like even with us with this podcast you know we're not out to make money it's an outlet it's something to do yeah and i think that's why people think it's genuine not that it's not genuine but they can relate to it because it's just a bunch of people in a room talking crap about cars and you mentioned then as well about your your drifting career it was sort of tied in with rms as well yeah so i suppose that when people are joining the forum and then and i remember it back it was a guy called Steve, and he was a company director, and he joined RMS in maybe 2002. So, like, the first full year, and this guy joins up. And he was obviously well-paid, older guy, and he had a brand-new VX220. And then and you were like, wow. <laughs> Who's this guy? Who's this guy? And then, you know, and then sometimes, you know, so then suddenly you're talking about people like Pablo. He had a, a E36 Compact 318Ti. Yeah. And you had all these other cars going on. So they give you an appreciation of, well, what's good? And I remember uh, these guys uh, who ran a Chips Away franchise up in Molusk. And I got really friendly with them. And uh, two brothers, one had a, a 3000 GTO, you know, Mitsubishi. Yeah. Uh, Twin Turbo? No, no. His was the normally aspirated oh. V6 one. <laughs> God love him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it had a big body kit and also would look the part. Ah, yeah. But his brother had a, a EG Saloon. Civic okay. VT, yeah. VTI and that was my first taste of VTEC and you know like a performance car that I could maybe own yeah it was affordable affordable exactly so then so that got me into fast stuff so even before the drifting you know a fast we, we you know 160 horse seems like ridiculous now but back then and it was you know revved eight grand and sounded like it was and it, it was going, fast yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so so uh that's where I moved from the Corolla into the VTI Civic and then uh, at the same time people like Mark Looney joined the forum and uh, legend. yeah and uh, Mark who then I competed against and went to years and years worth of car shows and drift events uh, but uh, he said oh I were um, maybe be interested to take a few pictures up at uh, Knott's Corner we you were hiring out the motorsports centre and I was like right no idea what they expect I turned up and he had a GSI carton white one I think at the time and a couple of his mates were up these guys so i hopped in and suddenly we're sliding through the corners or on the motorsport center and i'm like what the hell is this (laughs) this is absolutely incredible and so like from one evening and this is when you could hire the motorsport center from the council for 30 quid an hour that's unbelievable which is just trying to do that now incredible so and you could just do what you want uh, now I did show you the picture of the Carlton earlier on on its roof. roof. You can literally do what you want. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, so uh, we were handed we were handed brushes. <laughs> we all had to go up. <laughs> we had to literally Fair brush enough. it and tow it out. because so, like uh, so it was council owned. So like the guy just wanted to stand back at the pits and not really do too much apart from check people in out and, and take yeah. a few pounds. You were here. There's the money. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, but that that was incredible, and it was only like ten minutes from home. So anytime the guys were hiring it out, go up and then. Sort of the numbers grew, and there was all a chat about, well, what cars can you use? And one of the guys says, I have a eight or twelve valve GSI carton here for sale, uh, and I was still at Queens, and I think I actually still had the Corolla at the time. And Robert and I said, well, sure, we'll split it between us. It was four hundred and fifty quid, so it was two hundred twenty-five pound each, which was like a month's worth yeah. of wages. Yeah, to us, you know. Uh, so we're working part time. So right, we'll we'll um, can't can we insure? What can we do? It's like, yep, we can get uh, rally car insurance. So Caulfield or someone like that did this obscure uh, insurance that would insure a rally car between stages. Okay. But it was actually a social, uh, it was like a, a social domestic and pleasure policy. 
Right. So I said, oh, me and my and I were thinking of buying this car. Now we were only 20, 21. And, and they're like, well, it's fine. It's it's 200 quid or something like that there. <laughs> <laughs> Ding. Yeah. It was, this is back when car insurance would have been colossal money back oh, then. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was paying 1,800 quid. On the Corolla? On the Corolla. Ah, uh, yeah. 90 horse Corolla. And here I was getting into a hundred and eighty. Well, from the factory, it was. This is in nineteen eighty eight. GSI carton. Just lost a few ponies over the years. That had one hundred and fifty thousand miles on it, and very few things worked, and it overheated. If you looked at it, you know. So, uh, but yes, yeah, so we're like, oh my goodness, we can actually do this. And I remember then insuring it and taking it home, and just thought, what have we done? This is this piece of paper can't be right. Surreal. Yeah. And and then like immediately sticking it into the closest hedge, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I am drift king. Oh no, bang! <laughs> and I actually remember the first time uh, that we had the car, and it seemed to be going all right. And we took we uh, Mark Rice says, "Oh, we're up at uh, we're going up to the motorsports centre tonight." It's like right, I'll come up. And on my way up, I was on the seven mile straight long road. Everyone was really gunning it. Blue head gasket. Oh, of course. <laughs> so, <laughs> before you even get to the track. Oh, before you even get to the track. So it was chug 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 chug. Sold it to someone else in our mess, got my money back. Lovely. And away we went again. And and that actually then started. So we haven't even got as far as the drift career yet, really. <laughs> but this is more getting into into buying and selling around. a few motors. And uh, so it was like, right, well, really enjoyed that when it worked. Can we get another one? And uh, a friend of ours, he was a car dealer from the house. And he says, I sure you should. He says, I'm going to go across the water and buy something here. We should all go over and we'll see if we can get you a carton. And it was like... Go over for the Friday morning. Go to the Midlands where you get all the traders. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know where you get three regions of auto trader. Yeah, so you because you it came out in the paper. Yeah, yeah. So you choose what you need. And uh, so I remember we uh, then went and bought this another car for 400, 500 quid, and and uh, brought it home. Disappointingly, it didn't have a diff. Oh, didn't didn't stop us. Break the welder out. I uh, didn't stop us. Well, I don't actually think we ever welded it because we just. You just lit up the inside wheel. Just just <laughs> yeah. pump the back tires up. 50, drive it hard enough. Fifty or sixty pound of pressure in the rear, and just drive the absolute uh, uh, stones off it, and and then started taking that to uh, ovals and Agadoui and oh, doing yeah. and doing donuts and all that sort of stuff, and and lots of silly stuff on the road and out in people's fields and just just having uh, it was just the best time. Like they're a great car. I had a couple of them. I had a track one and I had a road one. Mm-hmm. They're such a controllable car, um, very smooth, good, good torquey engine. Uh, the weight, the way that sort of hangs over the back end, you can really yeah. it swings like a pendulum, but very easy, easy very easy way to get That's into. That's not a snappy in, car to no, drive. No, not at all. And and I think after I had three, I had two twelve valves, and then I bought a, a twenty four valve, uh, which unfortunately I'm uh, struggling to show you at the moment. But it it was uh, two tone. Uh, 250 quid from Newcastle upon time and we're picking that up there, there's actually I, there's a, a ex-police senator I had there so just showing the guys there pick, and, and so it, the senator's not drifting the senator is at Lurgan Park Rally on the grass I thought that's what that was yeah <laughs> and uh, the gentleman is one of the marshals giving me dog's abuse because uh, whilst the rally was going on I was drifting about <laughs> the grass <laughs> <laughs> and uh, getting into lots of trouble a lot uh, of them ex-police cars is it true that Courtney remapped a lot of them? Courtney uh, Motorsport. Courtney certainly in the uh, the Amigas did low pressure turbos on some of the Amigas. Very very rare estates, MV six estates. But 
I don't know if the map, but I, I, I certainly know, that, and I couldn't find the picture of it. That senator we had, uh, if you flip, flip down the the visor, it had a sticker which was half ripped off, which had the sort of you have your rights, you know, oh, written, yeah. <laughs> written down on it. This is what you say when you're arresting someone, sir. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so Here's it, your it, lines. Uh, you know, it, I said it made you feel, you know, feel special. You had the calibrated speedo and all that. So, so like the ex police cars were the one ones to go for. But the, the, there's my my first twenty four valve. Very nice. And it is. Uh, we're looking at a Mark II GSI 12 Al Carton, uh, white over purple. That's a, I, I'm assuming that's not factory. <laughs> no, that no. is not a factory paint job. You squint a little, you think you're looking at a Cavalier there, don't you? So, you're looking at a pack of silk cuts. So <laughs> the, the nickname for this car was Silk Cut Racing. There you there go. So, and it was rotten. I, I bought it with no MOT, but that was back when, when was that? Probably early 2000s as well, when there was a big MOT strike and you could just get an exemption. So I got an exemption and then got in the plane. Happy days. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then there was, there's the senator at Kirk, at Kirkiston. Back back when uh, you guys ran the GTI days yeah. and you could actually have a bit of fun. And then about a year later they said you weren't allowed to drift. And I know. And that's, and that's a real shame. What was the idea behind yeah, that? Was it destroying the track kind of thing? Was I think there's a lot of boys it? coming off and wrecking and smashing. I, do you know what? I think part of it was maybe the type of people that uh, were were turning up yeah. and not really the the actions of the... But, you know, I th- at the same time, I think it was a very short-sighted view of from from the organisers. That uh, I, I think they still have that policy down there. Oh, they do? Oh, I, no ab- absolutely. Uh, no drifting. No drifting, yep. And and there's there's been a few times I've sort of tried to see how far I can push it, and straight away I've been you know ah, totally. Well, so if you hang the tail at all, they're gonna pull you on it. Yeah. So which is which is a shame because I think if you're if you're in like a later session and you know what you're doing and and all the rest and you're not and you know yeah I think if you're trying to link the whole track and going too far and doing three sixties and and all the rest and and I there's plenty of people who have done silly things like that who are not out to drift and are just purely dangerous yeah. but but the story is it's it damages the track it's too much noise you know tire smoke I don't a lot of crap flipping nonsense you know but uh, <laughs> but every time I go I play by the rules or no will not be there you know yeah you have to and and you know what uh on the flip side it's very important we keep track days that's what I was going to say it's one of those things too that for a country here that doesn't have a whole lot of tracks or you go to England you have a lot more options to pick from where here you don't you do need to behave because if you do they'll either don't ruin it for everybody else yeah shut the track or you'll get banned I think now England's starting to get a there's only two places you can drift now in the mainland is it there's there's Driftland Scotland Rockingham shut Mm mhm the rest of them don't like. Is there one more place in England that allows drifting? I'm not sure. Randy probably would tell you better. Oh well, I, I don't know Your because I'm, I'm I'm out of it that uh, that long. I'm driving a grip car now. Uh, <laughs> there's a couple of, there's a couple of guys I follow, and it was a big sad day when Rocky and closed. Maybe that's what it is now. Scotland's the only place that's left. But there's not too many either way. Like that's that is a pity. I've not to blow my own trumpet. Maybe that's why I'm here to blow my own trumpet. I have a Rockingham story. Go for it. So. Uh, First of all, I had seen how straightforward it was to fly to England, buy a car, bought Carlton, yeah. and then suddenly that turned into a stack of Carlton's and Senators and, and Amigas and all that sort of stuff. But um, I had a Bayside Blue R33 Skyline, if you that was, remember it. You had that when I first joined, mm-hmm. when round 06 or so. So again, I bought that when I was like 22 for like three and a half grand. It was a, ma- it was a, I know. <laughs> what would that car be worth today? Oh. 
don't even talk to me. I had an R32 GTR as well. I bought for five. What are they, about 30 now or so for a tidy one? Yeah, it was a, it was a grey H-Reg car. Like, it was standard. Like, it was... Oh. Anyway, uh, if you could only turn back time here. But uh, show also showing her age. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> anyway, well, anyway, speak for yourselves, please. So Nigel and Andy. <laughs> so they, I, I bought the R33, but it was navy, and I painted it and did all this work, and finally blew it up, as you do, because really needs a build engine and map properly and all the rest, and not just not just hop into it and hoon the life out of it, being a JDM import and all the rest. So, but I had also booked uh, my one of my second or third. Or maybe my first track event in England, which was like the Autocar Sideways Challenge. So this was maybe 2004, something like that. And before the big drift events had started off, and you just entered and, uh, in the magazine, I think. I said I'd be over on the skyline and blowing it up. I paid my entry and all the rest. I was like, what do I do? So the plan was the same weekend, it was my now wife, girlfriend at the time. Uh, she was uh, went to uni in Scotland. And I was going to her graduation and I thought, well, we'll drive over and then I'll drive down to the event. She can fly home or whatever else. Like, sort herself out. Aye, exactly. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> well, she was actually over with her family, so she, she was all right. And, and then I thought, well, what do I do? And I had just sold one of my many VTI Civics. So I sort of went through a period of like Carlton's and Civics. Stick with what you know. Sound oh, familiar, guys, doesn't it? So I had sold this. I was like, ah, right, I'll just go and buy. I'll go and buy an S14. Because when I was looking at buying the Skyland, the S14 was the obvious obvious thing. So there was a S14 in Preston. I was like, right, go up near Edinburgh here, do the graduation, hop on the train, go down, hop in the S14, and we'll just take it straight down to Rockham. <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly sensible. Yeah. Well, we'll try and buy a set of wheels for it the way. Oh, of course. Why not? A jack out of Halfords. Like, it was really just make it up as you go along. It sounds like something I'd be on. Hopped, hopped into the S14 and uh, took it for the test drive. No blow. So... For some reason, it was no boost pressure, yeah. so it was the slowest S14 in the country. <laughs> and I was like, and this is the tax car, this is her. That looks good. Uh-huh, so that's N200 tax, that, that was her. Uh, and I was, it was it was a clean enough out thing, so thankfully I had a mobile phone at the time, 2004, 2005, something like that. And I was like, right, this event's tomorrow, this is the Friday, the Rockingham event was on Saturday. And so I rang, uh, I think I might maybe rang Mark Lunny, and he says, Ring Julian Smith, Watford Motorsport. And Julian Smith, he's now called Garage D, builds all the best, yeah. some of the best drift cars, along with Driftworks and all the rest in, in the UK, New Zealand, guys, right? And I had met Julian because he used to have a workshop down in Cork. And when I used to do a bit of drifting down with the Senators and Cardins and stuff down at Watergrass Hill? Uh, no, a Tipperary Raceway, actually, oh. even even before that. So, like the really early days of the drifting, and he was always there. And sort of, you know, you get to know a few people. And yeah. and then RMS has been passed about again because I was taking pictures there. So, people from there went and looked at pictures of RMS. So, it was sort of knew me oh, when I didn't really know them. So, I wrote Julian, he says, Oh, Andy, RMS, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Tell you what it is. I've just bought this thing because <laughs> I didn't know what to do. I was like, well, the car looks good. You know, it doesn't go good. There, there, there's no rake out of it and there's nothing. So there's, I, I don't know. There has to be, and it's not missing. And some, so I think it's a turbo issue or, but I can't hear any manifold blowing or I don't know what it is. He says, should come down to me. So I'm impressed and I have to go to Watford, okay. which is like M25. Oh, lovely. So full day's drive down to there. And I think I land there about nine o'clock. And of course, I wasn't the only one going to the uh, drift event at uh, uh, or sideways challenges. It was called. It wasn't even a, a drift event, you know. Yeah. Uh, so she only had like this 
six other cars, and it was all like road cars with like a seat in them. You know, uh-huh, there was no cages or anything like that. So, so uh, he says, I uh, just to get in the queue, really. So, about I think it was about half one in the morning, we put this thing in the ramp, lovely, and uh, pulled the blower off. And it was the uh, the wastegate valve had jammed. got something jammed in it and it couldn't close. So, burned it out, put it back together, took it out for a test drive at like four o'clock in the morning around the industrial estate. Yep, <laughs> viscous diff. Of course, you hadn't had been able to test it. It didn't have enough go. Uh-huh. It barely had enough go to keep it 70 in the motorway. <laughs> so uh, it's like, so then it was like a hagging session and a bit of testing around the, the, the industrial estate and then drove straight to Rockingham. So I was at the track for about six in the morning. Lovely. No sleep. Sleep in the car for about 10 minutes. Uh, fuel by or like Red Bull, just this is before the days of Monster Energy. You had to pay the big money, you know, and get the get the real stuff, you know. Yeah. So that was like Red Red Bull and muffins that dad, you know. And uh went out and you start in the big bank track and you go into the infield and uh so I was just like frigate had a pile of tunes in the Sony six disc changer, which I'd bought yes. from the you know, from the services, you know, phone charger and all the rest. And uh all the essentials. A double lobber of a cheese stick, just the all the usual stuff you get from a uh, services and uh tunes flat out and thought, frigate, this Over. is a big open space. We'll just we'll we'll just light her up. And I think I came uh, out of fifty two drivers and there was like the journalists were all there and they were in stuff that they'd been borrowed. You know, people were borrowing an M3 from BMW to turn up with the stuff and all that. Was, was Tiff Nadell that one? Uh, pass. I, and do you know what? I have the entry list somewhere and I must find out. Uh, but I think I came 28th out of 52 drivers, which was just totally car, winging it. Like. In, in a car you just bought. In a car <laughs> just uh, sliding uh, about. Dude, how long did it take you to build this car? Uh, <laughs> only bought 12 it. 12 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, that was driving. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Like, if we had more time, we'd be doing stuff like cutting the wastegate arm and shorten oh, yeah. it up and, and, you know, and give her a wee, wee bit more boost, you know. You're just lucky you got any Cutting boost. the hose or something. I just yeah. looked like I had 160 out of the 200 possible horses that it should have come with, you know. <laughs> and uh, so, so we did that. Couldn't believe it. So then, but some of the guys from uh, the South had come over that I remembered from uh, Tipperary and they said, oh, are you doing Mondello tomorrow? And I was like, what do you mean, Mondello tomorrow? I am now. <laughs> <laughs> so I hadn't booked a ferry home, so I booked the Hollyhead Ferry. <laughs> yep, straight into Dublin. <laughs> straight into Dublin. I got my only four hours or three hours sleep that you get on the overnight ferry. Yeah. And then out in Mondello as well and competed there. I, I can't even remember how, how I did, but uh, it was great in the infield and brought it home, sold it two weeks later. Brilliant. And paid for my whole trip, you know. So it's, that's, that's some experience, so as you say, especially if it's just for free. I uh, just, you know, so that was that was where I thought, you know, like the whole combination of uh, going to England and you'd buy something and bring it home and yeah. make, make a few quid or pay for a trip and, and all that sort of stuff. And so I did that for all sorts of things. Like normally going over for uh, some of the car shows like Donny or something like that. There were a couple of shows, say, right, just sold Civic or Omega or whatever it was, right? There's a nice black Omega Elite. Three liter V six in Northampton. We'll go and buy that, and we'll go and we'll drive to Donny, and we'll drive home. Bring it home and sell. Yeah, take a few pictures from our mess. Yeah, and make was... an experience out of it. Exactly. So I like I did that for three years, and I think I must have had you know seven or eight S fourteens or two hundred SXs, and and of course there's plenty of RMS members that were buying things as well. So it was yeah. sort of paying for these. There was no there was no massive money to be made, but. Uh, I didn't really care because it was it was paying for the trip, and uh, the crack I had was yeah. was class. So you're having big nights out with 
uh, so it's going over to meet someone some of the the drift guys who then started the the drift scene over there and um D1GB it was called back then yeah. and I remember going over and taking pictures of the event and you were meeting the drivers so I was meeting Ken Namura and all these sorts of people well you're meeting them, but I, you're right. st- st- I stand beside him I remember in a bar somewhere in some hotel and we can't like I couldn't talk to the guy and he was really <laughs> small and, and I was like you well good. compared you to good. you everyone's small <laughs> but yeah <laughs> thanks very much <laughs> Uh, so, uh, but yeah, so it was like, oh, that's a guy worth. Do you remember, remember the best motoring DVDs? Yeah. So, like, I was like, oh, that's a guy him. from the best motoring, or, you know, or uh, what do you call him? The, the Drift King himself, uh, Tichi Kuchi, or however you pronounce his name. So, I met him I as well. Connor's or accent. Or oh, I don't do the names. Yeah. So, and because I remember buying the DVD from Best Motoring, which is like an Isle of Man company, really random, like company. Oh, yeah. so, tax haven. I was going to say a tax, <laughs> tax, tax dodge job, and uh, I'm watching these DVDs on how how to drift, and they are still absolutely first class. Like they had, it was actually an S14 boosted up with a diff, and but things like put the brake light in the front so you can see where he's braking and then yeah. you know and they have it on the the diagnostics in the car which is normal now because you can get it on your iphone and an obd thing but yeah. back then when they had the all the diagnostics on the screen and four cameras and you could see when he was left foot braking and yeah this is on handbrake and was breaking stuff back then yeah exactly so so that's so when you when i saw that between that and being out with mark on the track Mm-hmm. Before I and I was never really a great Gran Turismo player or something like that, especially going to the. I remember when we were starting to go to the ring, and I was like, "Oh, you need to practice on on the PlayStation." I was like, oh, "Dust off the PlayStation <laughs> that I used for Blu-rays, you know." Yeah. And got myself my Logitech G twenty seven wheel and dial it in on onto the flipping ironing board and <laughs> clunk, <laughs> clunking away in the front row setup. Oh yeah, do you know what I mean? <laughs> So, so I was never really a big gamer, but it's always great to get out with with drivers, as we said before, getting out with guys in Carcassonne or whatever. Just to, so Mark, Mark Lenny must have been a great influence around you. Ah, he's brilliant. I've been out with him a couple of times, and I've never seen a man more relaxed. Yeah, it's full sand like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was out. I think it was Carcassonne one of our days, and it was uh, it was an E thirty M five a red one he had. He had an E. He had an early three fifteen break E thirty four M five. So and he just sent it. Just like he was sitting in his armchair. Yeah, yeah, oh, totally. <laughs> totally. So, so I learned a lot from from Mark between being out in cars with him and the events we went to and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and and then we ended up competing against each other. He normally beat me, <laughs> but you were there. But I was there. And when you really stepped it up in your car, then would have been the R thirty three Skyline, the Bayside Blue one. Uh, that right. So, so I had uh, been going to Tipperary, and then I remember. Uh, Everyone was doing it in cartons and all the rest. Mm-hmm. Then Mark Looney comes in in his R32 GT, GTST. Yeah. And everyone's like, wow. Game changer. Game changer. Turbo. The Skyline name even, you know, and the look of the thing. And a few stickers on it. And it just sort of like totally raised the game. And I remember he had bought it. And I was like, so when I was on the GTR Owners Club and the Skyline <laughs> Owners Club and all the rest. And... And it's like it had to be a skyline. It was like those tail lights, you know. Yeah. I mean, everyone was like, "Oh, those double tail lights are uh, they're under under the skin." You know, you see them on the these wagon runs and all that sort of carry on. And uh, so I had a horn, and then of course, then uh, the R thirty four GTR was quite new back then. Yeah. The Bayside Blue that that was the poster car. So I was like, ah, get one of these and painted Bayside Blue. And I remember there was a guy who just he went through a whole build thread of converting his auto R thirty three. He'd imported it for auto to manual. And then a couple of years later, he went to sell it. But 
it was a horrible navy blue color it was like two-tone navy and mm-hmm. and gray it was an early car it had like a gray cloth interior it's quite grim as far as skylines were going i thought but an ideal base car for what and, you wanted and i thought well if i sold my civic and sold my uh probably mv6 amiga yeah like i had at the time i could afford that four grand or whatever it was and pay maybe enough to do a few mods so that's where i thought oh that's going to be my serious drift car yeah because that's what you did and you put like a gtr interior into it and, yeah. <laughs> and that was it <laughs> time to go sideways and uh, but then what the, the door that opened up was like well that was a pretty good looking car and yes can i uh drive over someone's toes doing donuts around it yes i can yep. and i had been going to remember the fitness shows yep. yeah and it's like so i've been taking pictures up there and putting stands up because of rms so then the whole confluence of things came together was well he has this car he can drive it a bit well, it looks good. Well, we get them out before steer from the rear. And I was like, all right, okay. So then suddenly I became friendly with, because Mark was maybe doing that. Mark Looney was doing the... Uh, like display stuff? The display stuff as well. And the display stuff was just great crack. Like it was just, if, if it just, looks like a lot just, of guys having crack. Just, exactly. just full send in a square. <laughs> full, full send in a square. And if you were doing it two days in a row, you were on the night in a hotel and just you know just a good time just a really good time and if, if there's one thing that across all the events i've went to and all the shows and the rest it's always about the social yeah. part of it because you're like everyone here we like the motors and we like having a bit of crack and chat yeah. and all the rest so that's it's universal throughout the car scene uh totally i assume then that like so when you were out before steer from the rear who possibly had a plan of what they were going to do and allowed i think when you went out with other people it was just a free-for-all just just a free-for-all that's but, impressive for not hitting anybody then <laughs> but uh well the only time i ever got hit doing that was mark Looney drove into me once of course <laughs> <laughs> and and i'm afraid who do you hit. blame who do you blame I, well well and i think we had a huge argument but i just blew oh, up oh really <laughs> We had a few, I remember in the pits afterwards, and I was screaming. I was like, look at my fucking quarter panel. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It was one of them things, like, if, I was like, well, you know, Take was I moving fast enough that he had, you know, in your, your close quarters, and you, you know. Uh, it's always a risk. It is always a risk. And and Mark and I have, you know, we've been door to door at 100 mile an hour and drift, like, you know, so it was, it's just one of those things. Yeah. Touch wood. Uh, I haven't had many big offs. That's good. In 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 the uh, again career, I use the word the term lightly, as I say, the uh, imposter syndrome. But uh, yeah, so did loads of these shows, including then we went to do shows. We had a partnership with Auto Trader, so we did shows in England. We did like uh, it was a show in Edinburgh, and I can't remember the name of it, but it was at Ingleston, like up near the airport there. And we had to leave the cars over there, and they flew us backwards and forwards to do a couple of these things. That's and, pretty cool. Yeah, it was it was really cool, and like it was getting to the stage where uh, there was talks of doing like autosport marketing ended up doing autosport and i didn't because i can't remember car was hit probably blew it up probably <laughs> <laughs> so how long did you run the skyline for then so i think I, I think i ran it for about three years and i took it to um and it was like trying to do again it was trying to do all things like even like the corolla it was like going to the shows but yeah. then i was taking it to track days and then and we did eventually get it reliable and and it was it was a great job and it was going to all that sort of stuff and then uh down at uh, I think again it was maybe Watergrass Hill actually I took it to Watergrass Hill uh-huh. and when I was at Watergrass Hill I, my diff hadn't arrived so we were like we've no choice we'll just weld it so we welded Fair the enough. standard disc the diff and competed at Watergrass Hill didn't too well, do too well because it broke a shaft 
But don't worry, the diff's welded, so we'll just drive it home on one wheel. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> DFR. Did it make it home? So it made it home. Bruh. Seems you tried to overtake something, you just left a YOLO <laughs> <laughs> anywhere. Oh, brilliant. So um, anyway, so the Skyline wasn't up to the job because it was actually expensive. You had six cylinders, always compared to the S14s. You see the S14s were lighter. And the engines could be built to produce as much power and they were revier and, and uh, easier to drive. And cheaper to tune. Cheaper to tune. And then uh, I thought, well, do you know what? What I need is a proper tool because they were starting to bring a lot of regulation in because it was going from a free-for-all to there was a few big offs and a few maybe people, a few people got hurt. Thankfully, never too seriously, but it's like, no, these cars need to be properly regulated. And there was no sport regulation back then, but it was like, well, we need to look at then FIA or rally or what, what regulations can we take from them? And then something that went from nothing to, right, you have to have a multi-point bolt-in or welded-in cage. You need to have a fire eater and all the rest. And, and I was like, I'm not going to do this to my road car. And then yeah. they're like, you've hit the nail on the head. We don't want road cars doing this because road cars are not set up for this. Yeah, we don't want it. Essentially, it's a rally car you want. You know, it's a similar sort of setup. Exactly. So so, uh, so I remember being really annoyed about that at the time. And in hindsight, that was just me being completely naive to what, what I actually needed. So sold the Skyline. And the money I got for it then got, went towards, well, I'll buy a cheap S14. Three grand would have bought one S14A back then. And we'll strip it out. We'll sell as much of it as we can. And then we'll build it and paint it. And thankfully, RMS stepped in again with, oh, you want the car painted? We'll do that for you. It's good promotion for us. And all. Like, yeah. uh, even our uh, approach to the car as well, that uh, suddenly we had to build something to a spec that I had never undertaken before. This was a ground up. Yeah, there was rules. There was rules. There was uh, uh, cages and welding and firewalls and fire suppression systems and then as well there was tuning and it was tuning for power but also tuning for reliability so it was like well there's going to be heat and heat soak and uh, and then that had to be specialist mapping done so that it was you know you're running close to the limit the whole time that the car wasn't going to blow itself up several times and had that with a skyline before so I thought well no we need to make so, this reliable yeah make this reliable so suddenly it was like right we need to build a steel engine I was like I remember <laughs> I remember uh Apex Performance was the place to buy parts for your 200SX. I actually got very good friends with Bren, who runs it, and actually he runs an Exige as well uh-huh. uh, now. But uh, I remember looking at it, and you're, you're at the basket, at the basket, at the back, crankshaft, piston, rods, <laughs> big turbo, no bigger turbo, <laughs> uh, intercooler, alloy radiator. And it's like, oh my God, what have I got myself into here? What's this number at the bottom of the page? Yeah, so then, and then, uh, and like uh, any engine work that I'd got done before, it was uh, Willie Kennedy and Palomini had built the Skyline engine, but yeah. I just handed the car to him and he did the work and got the car back. And in fact, separately, I remember after blew the Skyline up, of course, we, uh, as Eve, especially with the drift car, you're always trying to build something to the, the event date. And it was like, the engine was put together at three o'clock in the morning and it was Mandelo at five. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, one of them. Yeah. And the running in period was the way way down the road. <laughs> down the road yeah. <laughs> and oil change in the pits, let's go. Ah uh, yeah, totally like a grading job. But uh anyway, so it was a massive undertaking. And by that stage in my own life, just bought her first house, had a proper job and uh, I'd actually bought a house and wife says it was a, a garage that came with a house because it was like a one and a half yeah. garage in an L shape and it had a pit. Inspection pit. Of course, you didn't know that when you bought it. There no, wasn't it's a deciding factor at totally all. Totally by surprise. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Can you tell why I bought this house? Uh, yeah. 
I like I like it. Well, I've I've carried that on through. So we'll maybe talk about that later as well because I've always built the. We moved house again, and unfortunately, around the cars. It sort of maybe did, and uh, sort of got me into trouble too. But anyway, so had the mates down, and Robert, mate Ken, was there from the car audio days, and it's like, right, we need to learn how to how how easy to lift this engine out. How do we make it quick to lift this engine out? Get the gearbox out to change the clutch to change the box. And suddenly, you're like, well, we need to have a spare gearbox. And what type of? I remember we had discussions about. This. I was like, guys, I, I can't do this. Like, we're talking about final drive ratios here, and yeah. it depends on what track it is. And it's like, I remember that. Uh, so it bought a diff, was it, or CAS diff, two way CAS diff for the car, and it fits into the R two hundred back end. And it's like, right, an R two hundred back end. What else can fit in that? It's like, well, look at all the Nissans and then all the different various uh, models that fitted that back end so we could get the right type of final drive that would yep. suit the power band of the engine and all that sort of carry on and it was like a automatic Nissan Serena remember those sort of old people carrier things yeah. so it had to be JDM auto diesel import had a 4.6 final drive not rare at all no so you, I remember phoning around breakers yards and then I'd phoned that many and I ended up with two of them which was great <laughs> because then then it became the most sought after yeah. thing to have so even the, even the build a fat car and I haven't taken on many builds before or since because of the amount of work that I know and that's why I have great admiration for you look at the build threads we've talked about in RMS and the members car section they're just mind blowing yeah uh, you know what's involved in it yeah like I look at the like of uh, this guy Ian EF Ian on the site and his yep. 240Z which if you ask me what's one of my favourite build cars on the forum that's definitely up there with, with the most beautiful Datsun 240Z mid 70s with an RB26 twin turbo skyline engine and it's just Fantastic. incredible and then so we had it out in the road and i said this thing is absolutely beautiful and then it was like we found rot yeah he has stripped the whole thing back again and i'm like i feel sick for the guy yeah if he's just looking going to his wall it's hemorrhaging yeah yeah it's over with rescue shack in england at the minute getting done right yeah it's it's incredible like but they're they're essentially picking the car apart mm-hmm. drill out spot wells like even the internal stuff they're stripping it back Finding rot, cutting it out, replacing it. Proper remaking, order. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's going to be like a new car, but as you say, it's just the work involved. Never mind the money. is incredible. And the first time you read that thread you, thread, you thought he did all that. First time around, you thought there was no more he could do to that car. Yeah, because it, it, it had been, quote unquote, restored before. Yeah. And then they found this, and I was like, oh, no. But he's going the right way about it. It's just, yeah. it's a labor of love. So, and uh, it is a labor of love. Like, when we started on the car, it's like, well, we build, we're building, are we building this or not? It was, you know. And, yeah, do and, or die. Yeah, exactly. So, so just went ahead and did it, and like the expense got, uh, it got crazy for what I thought would be, and we built the whole thing in the garage. And then I remember between myself and Richard Bradley. So I went to Queens with Richard Bradley, mm-hmm. and so I know Richard from, um, from there. And in fact, I can remember fast calf, fast yeah. calf, yep. So his Spark <laughs> Two Custard Cavalier, yep, yep. And uh, but I can remember also drunken conversations about twin cams like stand outside the parlour or parlour at half one in the morning <laughs> <laughs> back in the Queen's days yeah. but Richard he was building a drift car and I was so we, we phoned you know we we did a deal with us so we could bring a guy over to map both the cars and then we mapping them on the road and and all that sort of madness to get it ready and then taking it down to uh, I'll never forget we took it Robert and I took it to again to uh, the Oval at Tipperary Rose Green and the car kept cutting out and I was like what's going on because at this stage then I had to buy a race suit. So it wasn't a race suit <laughs> You know, and a proper helmet with stamped and you're on the in harnesses and all. This was a whole new thing. And I said, this thing's not working properly. There's something wrong with this. Uh, we need to take it home. 
uh, drove it up the road. It was, it was grand, and then took it back out. My knee was catching the key. What? <laughs> <laughs> and as Lee said, you're quite a tall man, so <laughs> yeah, not yeah. an issue I would have had. So, but you know what I mean? Like you're you're uh, you're a bolted in seat, and it's yeah. sitting in the right. The seat wasn't in the right position, and I was uncomfortable in the car. And, it's all new. Yeah, and cat. So I was catching the key with my knee Brilliant. and knocking the car off. <laughs> so. An ignition barrel and all in the bin. Yeah. Push button start. Yeah. You know, so uh, it's a learning curve. I and, and fix the seat and all, and all the rest. But uh, so so we we did that, and I remember the second event was right. We uh, we go and do uh, it was like drift all stars or something like that in uh, Newcastle upon Tyne, Teesside, the circuit actually. Uh-huh. And uh, so even at this stage, like. It, the car had had a kit on it, but had no stickers or branding. I think it had a small RMS sticker on it, but it was just totally white. I had an A6 at the time, so I was told with my, my, my VAG. Yep, uh, <laughs> that's why you're on, we'll let you on. Uh, uh, yeah, so a two and a half litre TDI five-cylinder diesel. Right. I didn't even know they made those. Mm-hmm. I was, it's, it was a, they did it with Volvo. I don't know if it was a Volvo engine or an Audi engine. The Audi, I think it was an Audi engine, but they, they fitted it to the V70 of the same period right. as well. But it was a great job, but... We're talking about towing earlier on and about how much respect you have to give to your tow vehicle and make sure everyone's hundred percent. And I remember going down like I'd never been on a long England run towing uh-huh. and getting a big weave on down a <laughs> down a hill. Yeah. And like and like you're you know, from like sixty five and you're doing nearly eighty by the time things straighten yeah. out and then you're like, right, slow it right down. But your ass is chewing the seat. Uh, I remember having the car out and it was misfiring on on the T side circuit. It's a disaster. Back, bonnet up, bonnet down. And, and another thing I had to deal with was... <laughs> sorry. Ha, 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 you right, Robin? I the, thought that was a glass for you. Half the reload banners just uh, falling down. One there. of our banners nearly killed the spectator here. Remember um, I was saying I was useless at doing things. Was just <laughs> it's just called load now. <laughs> Apologies for that. <laughs> Sorry, Andy, going ahead. So they had you have to sign disclaimers when you come into the studio from now on. <laughs> Falling objects. So that is the actual picture. Oh, from, from that day. From that day. So, so just it just had a number on number thirteen. Thanks very much. Lucky. Yeah, and and the uh, the classic Audrey sitting there. Oh yeah. So you can see the uh, the bonnet pins are up. So that this is again bonnet pins is a new thing. This these were these were. Brand new at the time into demon thieves uh-huh. uh, that they were the, the click down with a key on them. So uh-huh. rather like than a flush the, fit to the pins, yes, rather than the the pull pin type. And because we were having that much trouble with the car, I was in and out and in and out, and sometimes down there with a helmet on, footering away at something, and then just jump back because there was free practice and you go out. Yeah. So we were doing all that, and uh, I couldn't get the lifters down because things were still not adjusted right in the car. So I got the keys out of the pocket for the Audi, and uh, was footering away at the. The, close the lockdown and left the key. Half the key was missing. Oh, <laughs> this is a tow vehicle for going home. A tow car. Oh, brilliant. So uh, I was like, oh my God. Now I did have two pieces of the key and I thought, right, it's an immobilizer key. And we were like, do we glue the key together? And it goes in and that's a one way. <laughs> yeah. You know you know what I mean? It's in and staying in. And it's either it's in and staying in. I was like, but is there enough length in the key to actually turn the ignition barrel or is that, am I going to put that in and it's in there forever? Yeah, yeah. we're stuck. So, uh, so this is in, in uh, Middlesbrough. So I was like, what the frig do we do? And uh, I was with another couple of guys, uh, Chris and another guy, uh, Cess off RMS, another yeah. guy, and um, 
right? So we're chatting to the guys who are there, said, right, what we'll do is we'll block your car in that night and we'll run you back to the hotel. And at least that gets you sorted. So like, we'll park two cars side Tied. by side. Where that car was parked right there, side side by side, and then uh, someone the else on one side and something else on the other, something in front of them. We actually went to a show in Manchester, fitted UK two three years ago. And Andy Maxwell took his track Mark II over, which doesn't lock, and that's we parked it in the street to go for food, mm-hmm. and just he parked it up, and we just parked door to door tied to him, and nobody's going to get in or hopefully not get into yeah, it. Yeah, it's not going to go anywhere anyway. No, yeah. <laughs> so so I was like, what the hell do we do? So like as if I wasn't you know still the a total newbie at this stage and I was suddenly at an event where the standard of cars was mine plus 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 and uh, I was like what the hell do I do so uh, we got left back to the hotel now the hotel was actually called uh, I think it's called ETAP now they used to call like Formula 1 hotels okay and um, what we didn't realise was the £20 a night we had paid for a three bedroom was for a reason because that's where they put the asylum seekers <laughs> so you can imagine this that's this, this is the sort of level of trip that we're we're, we're on, dealing you know, with here you know just all our budgets everywhere ah, exactly so uh i said i've a spare key at home but like i obviously thought there's no i can't do anything there but uh one of the guys saying i uh some of spectators are coming over from belfast tomorrow he's like my man and dad are going on holiday tomorrow to Scotland. <laughs> I wonder they're going through the same airport. Uh, they uh, they met on the Stena line. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> he was handed over and brought down to Middlesbrough, and we uh, so so if I had a pound for all any silly things like that, I did done over the years. Like brilliant. Well, that's um, the mixed experiences. Though. That's that's the good side of it. Oh, that's you know. So so not maybe not at the time you're going. I have no key and can't start my car. <laughs> I'm in a different country here, but <laughs> totally. It's good looking back on. I well, and like I remember another time we were uh, at the European Championship, and it was one of the rounds was at Anglesey, and I had booked a hotel in Holyhead, landed up to the Premier Inn, and there was something else on the area at the weekend, so the whole place was sold out, and I went in, so it's Andy Cooper booked for two rooms here, blah blah blah, and no, there's no record. Oh no! And one thing, one other part of it's not just running the drift car when you're starting to compete in series, it's like a whole series of you have a calendar and you have costs yeah. and you have transport and you have sponsors and it becomes this whole thing in itself. And of course, I forgot to book the bloody hotel. I I, I was on the website. Yeah, you I was maybe in the, the checkout, <laughs> but I didn't hit the magic button, which means book room. Yep. So Check my money. Yeah. So uh, when you've brought a carload of people over, it makes people very unhappy. Uh, yeah, I'm saying that. <laughs> Sleep in the car time. Especially when you can't get anywhere to stay. So yeah, I've done a few uh, clangers like that, but... I remember being over at, at the circuit and seeing the preparation. And the same thing was starting to happen in the south too, down in Mandela. Where you start to see the car, the whole standard of cars was starting to improve. That because of the new regulations, they were all they were all caged and there was a wee bit of sponsorship going about and there's a wee bit going on. Nothing like it is today. You would have seen James Dean in his early years then? At the very end of when I was, yeah. I'm just trying to think because there's the Dean, there's... Plenty of brothers and yeah, there's a big connection. With them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, so there's some guys who had started back then. Um, oh, Butsy, for example, he was he was running. He's Butsy's maybe three or four years younger years younger than I am. So he was really young when I was at. I'm trying to think of uh, who's the guy who went to the states. Uh, Graham McNamara ran pro drift. Darren McNamara. Darren, Darren yeah. McNamara. Uh, I never be it. Remember or never forget being at uh, Silverstone and seeing Darren McNamara 
undertake one of the Japanese over the grass <laughs> <laughs> on full drift. Excellent. And that was his key to the world. Yep. You know, because they were like, okay, he wasn't on the track, but we don't care because the guy had just... He got him. Balls. Yep. He said the A86 with a SR20 in it. And that was 2006 or something like that. Yeah. That but, was very early days of like pro drifting coming in. Like when it was, as you said, starting to step its game up into like a professional sport yeah. rather than... A lot of hooligans and Carltons. Totally. But and and another thing that as I'm sure that's what we love about the social aspect of things, like Darren McNamara, I think I met him four or five years ago and he still said, Oh well Andy, how's how's it going? He's still into the cars, he's still running RMS. Yeah. Still, like, he, he still remembers. You you went to do Formula D. Yeah. <laughs> and you still remember me, you know? Uh, yeah, no, but it, that's that's the genuine people in it though. You know, that's someone who is in it for the love of cars and just happens to have met it big time. Totally, because even some of those guys in the early days, when it wasn't like a free ticket, they were going over and maybe had no paying job and were trying to do a bit of drifting and bits on the side yeah. to keep themselves going and were backwards and forwards to Ireland and sometimes worked in Ireland. and then It's just pure passion. Uh, totally. Whatever money they had. Totally. It's, it's kind of like you see about musicians and things like that too, you know, that are they're out there and they're like no jobs and they're just living hand to mouth, just doing what they want to do. And some people make it, some people don't. Band. Yeah, that's <laughs> the way it works. I was, I was in Canada last year and... Oh, maybe they all say this, but the guy guy picked us up at the airport was, he was like an Uber guy, and he says, "What mm-hmm. says what do you?" Uh, he says, "Why well, also like do a bit of part time acting, right?" Uh, which, yeah. which you sort he of laugh at, and then it's like, "But this is Vancouver." It's like he probably does, yeah. And it's the same thing you say, "Oh, I do a bit of I do track days or I do a bit of racing." You know, it's the same sort of thing for those people. It's just what they're into is acting, not cars. Yeah, totally. So, so but uh, anyway, so they as I say, the standards started creeping up, and I did a few events at home. I was still doing the. Uh, the shows and bits and pieces like that, bring the drift car along and, and do that. And I did uh, Bishop's Court and all that sort of stuff at a few Mandela events. But I had also been watching in England and they had G- D1GB and then they had the, um, what was then called the EDC, the European Drift yeah. Championship. And some of the rounds were actually in Europe, but then it just became, even though it was called EDC, it was purely in England, um, yeah, uh, England Scotland, Wales. And uh, there was a tryout day in 2009 and then I knew the series ran on all the big race circuits and I, and I was like we can get the ferries cheap because we were doing it through a, a transport company so we were using a, a container space okay, yeah. for the ferry and so we could get that cheap and there was a few sponsors willing to give us a few quid towards the hotel or or I could get parts for free or yeah. whatever it was and I thought well, do you know what we'll take the chance I know it's going to be a lot of money but we'll go to this this day anyway so we went to uh, Santa Pod actually Beside the yeah. beside the strip, there's the big car park. So the, the car park all co- coned out and um, judges and all the rest. And for some reason, we got through selected because it was a selection only uh, championship. Mm-hmm. They only ran sixteen cars, and they ran the sixteen, eight, four, and two. And they didn't run uh, because EDC was part of Modified Live, one of these massive shows that they have in England. Yeah, they wanted it as a like a showcase event. Yeah, something you can say. Well, we're holding this as well. Come and see. Yeah, so the so they ran the drifting and they ran time attack. So the time attack series ran and the drifting ran, and then you had all your regular stands and show cars and, and all the rest. So uh-huh. so it was a big time event, and it was at all the big venues in the UK. So it was Snetterton, Brands Hatch, Silverstone, Anglesey, Oldham Park, Cadwell Park, like uh, Knock Hill, like all the big names. Yeah, and it was just like. Getting to even run on that at all? Is uh, yeah. Like I, I walked Knock Hill and I thought it was something special. You know, getting to do that, so yeah. actually getting to race there would be impressive. So, so the thought, because that, so that was the appeal of, well, we've built the car, we're working, we, and we've started to get into the groove. Of, we've made some of the mistakes, we've broken all the keys. Yep. 
we haven't booked the hotel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and we're still we're still living. So so got into that, and then the modified live events were getting so big in two thousand and ten. So I did it for a year. It was quite tight, and then I got in two thousand and nine actually, uh, or two thousand ten, whatever it was. I were on the ferry and sitting down. We always got the Liverpool ferry. Sitting across the guy, we're talking about the drifting. This guy started chatting to us, another guy, and it was actually Billy Nutt from Nutt Travel. Nutt Travel, yeah. And uh, at the end of the conversation, because then we're talking about RMS and all the usual stuff we just talk about, and he says, So give us a shout, and then he's so I will we'll help you out for the next couple of years with ferries. Travel and stuff, yeah. Which was just, I just couldn't believe it. It's unreal for like a chance meet of someone you just happen to sit down across from. The, the, the previous year, and I actually think it was maybe that time we were at the Santa Pod, when we were on the ferry coming home. There was a Lotus of Aura parked behind us. And uh-huh. It was just fresh off the production line. And I actually bought that car. Was that, was that your car? That, your, I yeah. bought that car then uh, three years ago. So That's that, impressive. That is just bonkers. And I have I've posted on, on the on the Avora thread. So that was meant to be. You know, these, these things are meant to be. Yeah. That, uh, You'd seen uh, it already. Seen it already. And again, we were talking to the guy in the canteen. Because it's not really a restaurant. On, yeah. On the, well, on it maybe is now. The amount of money that Stena have spent on it. But it, well, back then it was a tray and... Yeah, like school dinners, and you got fired at you, but it was, but it was dead on. So uh, anyway, I've totally lost my train of thought. So yes, the sponsorship came, and at that stage, used cars and I were starting to get bigger in Northern Ireland as well, and they still sponsor the website today. But they did a bit more for the car. Uh, then Pirelli said, "Right, we want to sponsor European Drift Championship. We want to sponsor all the drivers." Oh, very good. And we just bring a truck and bring tires and just fit them. <laughs> <laughs> That's impressive. That's one of the biggest costs of drifting, really. Like, apart so, from building the car, is your yeah. cars. So the car, the car was built. So it was really the yeah. running cost of making sure the car Fuel didn't, and... didn't didn't crap itself. Yeah. And like, uh, yeah. So I had my ferries covered. I had my tires covered. And then I was getting like Motoglass, who were going very sad that Motoglass uh, didn't survive there. Yeah, when, you know, they went now. a couple of years ago, but they were supplying. Um, Parts, so I had all my fluids and plugs and all that sort of stuff covered. So then it was just really had to cover a hotel and bits and pieces like that. Then um, Apex, who had bought the engine stuff from, they said, well, do you know what? We want BC coilovers to sponsor the series. We're giving all the drivers BC coil. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is going this well. real life. <laughs> uh, so it went to the stage where I remember getting pallets of tires delivered. And That's I remember we had to put, build a mezzanine in my one and a half garage, reinforced. <laughs> Because I was getting that many tires. I think the tire allocation was 72 tires a year. Ooh, lovely. And you got, out of that, you got uh, P0, or no, uh, Pirelli Trofeos. So Trofeos you would get on a GT3 RS or something like Aye. that. Aye, big money tires. Yeah, so Trofeos for the front and P0s for the rear. So you were driving on the best of, well, that's actually what the Lotus has come with, is P0s. Uh, and it keeps down. a level playing field as well for yeah. everyone else then. And the car drives so much better on good t- It sounds mad drifting and burning up good tyres, but you actually need the, drip, the grip because it allows you to do the really high-speed stuff. Yeah, people it. think it's a slide. It's it's a control slide. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so it gives real consistency. And then that's where I found my niche was doing the drifting was I was actually quite good at the high-speed stuff. So Snetterton was the biggest corner. So we were in fifth gear, flat. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah. what, what sort of speed do you enter in that? So, well, because we had the four six final drive, my car would only do one forty flat out. Okay. So we probably one ten or something like that. You know, that's serious with, speed. With, on the limit yeah. What, yeah. What sort of horsepower was the car sitting at at this stage? Four twenty. Four twenty brake. Uh, but that stage, it was mapped by it was mapped three times in the end to just get as much out of it as possible. And uh, about was it three ninety five pound foot of torque. So it wasn't the fastest. 
wasn't didn't have the most horsepower, but it was a fairly plucky thing. It very was usable, fairly light. Very it was very easy to drive. You know, so I, I know I could go up against the two JZs if they were on a five fifty brake, but they were a bit more weight. And you know, the Skyline or whatever yeah. the conversion was, and I would maybe have half a chance, especially depending on the track. My gear ratios really helped too. So I had like a STI RA Impreza box. You know, it was like yes. you, were, you know, you couldn't give it quick. gears. You couldn't give it gears quick enough. You know, yeah. so. Uh, you see a hundred mile an hour drift. It actually, you start to get up that sort of speed. It does look fast. Yeah, a lot of things on camera don't look fast, but yeah, it gets beyond that at some point. Yeah, but that was great. How did I do in the championships? Well, I fought really hard, so I, I was I never missed an event. Mm-hmm. Uh, from was it 09 to thirteen, I did those events, and I won half a dozen over the time. I never won a championship. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's seriously good and it's it's a serious commitment too four years or Matt, five, yeah yeah totally and then if you take it over the full period if I'm starting with the Carlton's back in 0203 still tinkering away at them yeah, even though yeah. they're you know it's 50p stuff it seems like compared to the the big thing so it's just on and on and on and, and it's all DIY you know it's all as you say labour love everything's yep. your own money and a car and a half garage at home mm-hmm. putting your heart and soul into it so like totally like so we were still hustling all the time so it was great we got all this stuff it's all right what if the Pirelli sponsorship goes and we we banked a year's worth of tires because we didn't use them all <laughs> yeah yes. so you sit and hold them but it was also incredible too like it got to the stage where we had our own they had tents with the driver's names above them and uh, we did signing sessions we had our own hospitality area where they had the Formula 1 on TV and catering laid on uh, and you said this wasn't uh, wasn't anything special yeah <laughs> no, well, look, I, I honestly am talking about it now and it just seems like a dream. I remember being at Brands Hatch uh, doing it and they it was the same weekend as the Formula One. And at that stage, Formula One were big and trying to get new people into Formula One. So Brand, Formula One was going on Silverstone. We were down the road at Brands Hatch uh-huh. and they had brought all the 90s, like the Benetton cars and all, to do uh, parade laps. Great. And I was standing down in the pits with the ear defenders on beside these things. And then I was awesome. just like, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> I, That's I, so like that was just absolutely mental so so what happened then so then suddenly i was had all the sponsorship and then they decided whatever happened they weren't getting the numbers at the show so they said right adc's no more and at that stage british drift championship was really starting to grow as well so i went and did it for most of a year and it was good too because we did different tracks like Lydon hill and smaller tracks but they they were much more technical events yeah and much more driver it's not that the uh, the big tracks weren't awesome, but I'd done them for four or five years in a row. It's and a fresh challenge. Totally fresh challenge. And because I didn't have tire sponsorship, then uh, the costs went went through the roof. And in fact, I got a, a, a changed tire sponsorship, local sponsors for the car, and I got some tires. The tires were crap. Okay. But that was the day. Uh, there were knock-ins. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they were... 76 tens. Exactly. <laughs> Great battery life. <laughs> Indestructible. No good for drifting. Yeah. I actually remember the centres used to fall out of them. They, were, they just didn't take the heat whatsoever. And so then, you know, the car became less competitive, whereas other cars were more competitive. Yeah. And uh, also, I had got married a couple of years before, and I started to get a bit of a hard time at, uh, at home. With, you know, we need yeah, to move house. And massive commitment. I just, you know, we were like, one, you know, we were like one o'clock in the morning, three nights a week, trying to get the car ready for an event. At the weekend, you know, and then you're away all weekend. You know, you're away on a Thursday evening and back on Monday morning. And, yep. and a full-time job and running run. the biggest forum in the UK, or <laughs> at least Northern Ireland or Ireland anyway. Uh, so, yeah, so so like had had all that go. So I, th- I thought, 
for the drifting, I thought, well, I can sell the car and that will go towards deposit for a bigger house and all the rest. Sort of quit whilst I'm ahead was my thought. But I didn't want to do it at the same time. And, and I still sort of like, I'm not a great spectator. I get twitchy feet. I was like, I'd rather be out. I'd rather be out uh, driving. And, uh, and that's maybe watching. because my, and I'm not a total introvert, but it's maybe me being, you know, I'd rather be out there than standing around here. I don't really want to talk about it. So I get in the car and drive something, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know. <laughs> so, uh, so I've always had the twitchy uh, right foot. But I thought, right, we'll sell that. And we actually went through a variety of cars at home as well. So wife the route she would normally drive the thing that I've banned for a while to sell on so she had we actually had a E46 M3 for, for ages so it sold a drift car and we're starting to save like mad but we still had the M3 still had the Audi so still rocking that thousand pounds worth of awesome diesel well. estateage and uh, advantage sorry <laughs> <laughs> to forget remember my audience here and uh, the the uh, then there's a guy, Nigel, and our message says, oh, you should really uh, come over to us with to the ring. You know, if you're not doing the drifting anymore, you should bring that M3 with you. And that started down a whole other rabbit hole yeah. of, uh, <laughs> of awesomeness. So uh, so I remember uh, taking the M3, and I never really liked the M3, which which will sound like sacrilege. And I just must clarify, an E46 M3 is an absolutely awesome car. But I had been driving drift cars. So yeah, the it's M3 a different animal. Felt heavy and slow and incredibly 100 mile an hour in third gear uh, on those private racetracks you guys always talk about yep. I'm, always, I'm surprised I never bumped into it ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're all over the place you know so it sort of felt you know like lethargic and you know that, and loose and, and all the rest of them or we, we uh, did a trip and again an epic road trip is is going to the ring so what what are you talking mileage wise? You know you're you're crossing into England then into Rotterdam is it or down into France? Yeah we did Kernran or Sonora. I always prefer Lauren Redeeming Factor is is the ferry, <laughs> your, as we all know. On your doorstep, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, don't mention Lauren on the forums. It's a, oh, it's, it's a, a it's sore like, Yep. And um, so we learned Kernran and then drive to Hull, Hull Rotterdam. So it's about five hours drive to Rot- to Hull and then the overnight ferry, but then it's only three, three and a half hours from Rotterdam to the ring. That's actually a lot closer than I thought then, yeah. Yeah, so that's like sort of your, your lowest road miles. Taking the the boats out of the equation, then you're talking sort of an eight hour drive to the ring because we've yeah. done we've done more than that to shows like Volkswagen oh, shows, yeah. yeah. But it's perfectly comfortable because it's split. So, yeah, it so breaks you, up a bit for you. Yeah, you, you only have that. The, the worst stint is hold the the ferry, which is fairly boring. Yeah, uh, but uh, or hold the turn around. But uh, once you're on the other side and you're into Holland, and then you've only about an hour of Holland, and then you've you've a good stretch of autobahn in there, so Lovely. you're uh, you're a bit of V maxing. Yep. So. <laughs> so you're ready racing before you get to the track. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if you want to know how you make a condom as long as an E46 M3, <laughs> <laughs> it requires a really strange German hotel, which provides them in a basket. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> and, your, and your brother holding one out, out the, the window, window at about one and a half. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, good a good time. strength <laughs> You know what I mean? So just absolutely ludicrous. Your ex finest. So, uh, yeah, so... Absolutely great crack. That place is just I mean, if you haven't been, go. It's just it's just bonkers. Uh, What's it like when you first get there? You know, it's steep and heritage, obviously, but you see things on TV pictures, and then I know even personally when I go to places and you're you're there, and it's just a different feeling. It's like it's hairs on the back if you're not. Yeah, you know um, that just the standard of cars that were there. That uh, I was there in a sea of M3s, and then it was like. GT3 RSs and you know like where else would you see like 
10 GT3 RS. Yeah, you know, like, this is where they're coming to do their thing. Yeah, exactly. So like, it's just the the equipment there is just absolutely phenomenal and just the absolute petrol head mega. Yeah. And you get to see stuff just being driven driven at full tilt, but it's before you get out in the track. Yeah, it's and all it's there. very relaxed and people are all talking to each other and there's also there's people from all over the world. So people are flying in from uh, from all over, as well as all the Germans who do this as part of their their fun weekend. Yeah. Well there's uh, when the, the track opened in the evening you'd have guys who'd have the pass and they would be they would come home from work, hop on their ring car and you know if they only lived up the road they would then go out and blast out a few daps just to de stress. That's all shouting I hit my bosses to do hundred and fifty mile hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So there was a because there was I remember the first time there was a guy that we called Mister Scarago, first generation Scarago. Right? Is there an eighteen GTI equivalent of the yeah. first gen car? GT one, GT two. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, like, uh, he was just rocking a, a fairly standard looking car, well sorted suspension, and just a huge set of balls, and just lived there, driving the ass off it. I just on on the, on the German plates, and just you just got out of his way, you know. That's, so that's brilliant, you know. So it's just on the round headlight shape or lee shape. Oh no, you're on about like the... I'm talking about... Uh, uh, early 90s, the square headlights. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, the, uh, the one nobody liked. Ah. Yeah. No, no, it, like, oh, like, like, it looked like a, a fairly hideous. And, yeah. and yeah. it was just absolutely... That's strong, yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But just just well set up and it's, it's the sort of place, the more you know... Yeah, you know, it's the, a big advantage for you. Uh, t- t- totally. It's uh, You hear all the horror stories. They're all unfortunately true as well, which would make you think, well, why would you go somewhere where if you have an accident... Am I insured? Is it going to cost me thousands? Am I repair uh, bills for the barriers? That kind of thing. Yeah. Well, uh, even worse. Like, death. Yeah. Death. Or like if you hit someone. Yeah. True. And, and it's just the Germans just treated. It. Well, it's it's a road. It's a road accident because it is it is a toll road, isn't it? Mm-hmm. As such. Yeah. 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 So it's an RTA, and if you're involved and if you're responsible, like that's absolutely serious. It's life changing. Yeah. So so like the the stakes are um, the stakes are big. In fact, I remember I think it was again the first time I was at it, and I came flying around the corner then yellow flag you back off and there is a motorcyclist on his knees in the grass with the blood coming out of the helmet oh lovely and the bike is 250-300 yards down the, down the over the grass into the armco like yeah because there's, there's bound to be guys that are like you obviously have track experience drifting even local tractors and things like that so you, you kind of know what you're doing even if it's a totally new experience or a new place to go to but there's bound to be people that turn up and go I'm Billy Big Balls I know what I'm doing and just fuck it and send it, and it goes wrong. I do you know what I thought when I went there? I thought, well, I know uh, after my first I time, I, I know nothing. Oh really? Oh, I really thought that uh, because I've never driven a track like it, so it's seventy odd corners. It's fourteen miles long. Yeah, true. And it's a technical. It's a massive technical challenge. It's hugely challenging on the car on the tires uh, as well, um, and the traffic mm-hmm. as well. So you're in there with motorbikes you're in there with guys who have hired a flipping car from your car and they're just winging it and there's you know there's all sorts going on you know Stephen robb yes Stephen took the i think he went over with a formula student days when he done mechanical engineering in jordanstown yeah and i'm pretty sure he took a hire car around it which was a citroen c5 i think <laughs> yeah it was definitely something random but yeah he took it around it <laughs> I also think he stole the aerial off it for his Mark V GTI because it was a stubby aerial. I find that hard to believe with Stephen. So, so there's a picture of me that's, in the E E forty six. That's um, impressive. 
So that's full. Uh, what, what what we used to do as well. So you only ever really went out when it was bone dry because of patchy, like it was absolutely lethal. But what yeah. we did was uh, when it was wet, we f- we fired up or fired up, fived up into the <laughs> and just going for a drive <laughs> into the uh, M3 and went out and just uh, so that was uh, actually the RS4 behind us is uh, guy Gavin from from here as well. I was well. going to say that and looks he, familiar. He was, yeah. He, so there, I think there is a video about somewhere of of me hooning around and every every corner we just uh, lit her up. That's brilliant. Is that trackside photographers or is that some of your friends were there? So there's no, there's loads of trackside photographers all around and then they have websites and they sell the pictures. You just go and find it and buy it sort of thing? Well, normally, actually, what you do is uh, in the, there's a famous restaurant called the Piston Klaus, which everyone goes to or tries to book after a day's driving. And there's usually a couple of guys in there with TV screens like you have here, but showing the pictures. Yeah. And you're, you're eating away at your steak. That's also, it's famous for steak on a stone. Oh, yeah. That comes out cooking itself essentially. Yeah, yeah. So, so you have your day's drive and you do a steak and a stone on a, a bit burger or whatever else, and then you're watching in the background. Oh, there's my car. I think Nigel's getting ideas here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm up so it is. So, uh, so yeah. So that started uh, several years of um, only once a year. Right? Some of the guys went two, three times a year. Kept yeah. Cars out there doing all sorts of. I've seen the threads. Um, a lot of common names on the forums have went, and you and it bumps up every year. Boys going out and. Yeah. Um, how many of you guys goes over at a time? Uh, that time, I think four cars went over. Uh huh. So that was the first time you went. Yeah. Yeah. So four or five cars or some something like that. But it's probably a good number. See, trying to. I harass people like herding cats. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Whether it's gathering up money for things, even keeping people on the road, or I need to stop, I need to do this, it just becomes a nightmare. Even I think when we drive in big groups, even if you take it, split it in two halves, and mm-hmm. we'll we'll meet at these points and do your own thing. Yeah. So trying well, to get on the racetrack with all those people must be interesting. Well, the other the other thing is so like, I think that was maybe the lowest horsepower car there. Yeah. In, in the convoy, so it's like you fill the tank and hull, and it's deep into three figures. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so and uh, which is mad. Even even the autobahn itself. See when a surface changes in the autobahn at one hundred and fifty mile an hour. You feel everything. Oh my god, shite runs out of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I know they're even on the motorway. Like, I think it's between. Moira and Lurgan or else Lisburn and Moira they've obviously put a track or something across it and it's like a diagonal line where they've like bitumen in the two surfaces yeah. you hit that in the wet at about 80 mm-hmm. the whole car just kind of goes Ooh. Now, it's not going to put you off the road but if you're doing 150 it could so if yeah. you say the entire surface is changing and you don't know the road when it's coming up that's it's Brian Trousers time but driving on the autobahns even in, in, I do want to come back to the ring because I, I do love it but driving on the autobahn is interesting because of the amount of thought that people give you know, there's no lane, there's no lane hogging whatsoever. The, the Germans, the, I don't know if it's because of the speeds they do on the autobahn and stuff, but they really do know how to drive compared to the, what we do. Like, it's just, I I haven't driven there, but you have, Lee. Mm-hmm. And we we done Worthersea and I was in the car driving across and just, there's so little accidents for the speeds that they're doing there. It's just a different world. I think it's just a better understanding of, you know. How a car works. I, yeah, how the road network <laughs> should should work to make it much safer and then you can do speed. Yeah, they're probably educated better very, on it too. Very efficient, the Germans at things. They are, yeah. <laughs> a lot of things. <laughs> You've heard me rant many times about the drivers in the south on the M50 and how they won't fucking move out of the middle lane. Yeah. You don't get that in Germany. It's everybody is where they should be. And if you come up behind them, they'll move out of your way. Yeah. Generally, yeah. Unless you're from Northern Ireland, you're probably just sitting the outside lane anyway. Because you're on the wrong side of the road, so you think you're doing the right thing, and you're not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh dear. So then, obviously, trips to the ring. The bit you 
you get into went from the total opposite of drifting into grip ownership. Yeah, totally. So as, as I showed you in the picture there, we did a wee bit of sliding about in the ring, but yeah, it was more about, well, everyone talks about ring times, but then you start to sort of think about, well, you know, how well do I know this track? And then you start, your first lap's like 14 minutes. And then after three or four laps, you're maybe down to 10 and a half minutes. Yeah, and, then, and then next thing I'm bringing my mapped 335D E92. <laughs> I'm doing an 834. That's impressive. <laughs> Diesel. absolutely ridiculous but uh so yeah after that then um the 335d was the daily driver uh didn't have any other sort of uh, track car and then i thought then drove past lotus in mollusk one day bally robert had taken over the the franchise and i was actually looking at m135i's at the time because i thought i fancy something sporty for the track uh-huh. but decent reasonable money and i still think they're they're absolutely fantastic value but uh I spotted this Evora and I was like, I've seen this car before. And it actually, it was actually parked behind us on a, one of our drift, drift trips coming from the factory for its first Northern Irish owner. Yep. So it was like it was meant to be. And on another first, I decided to hell with it. I'll take a loan. Yeah. Cheap to borrow money. It's only going to cost me so much over the time. And uh, I'll try and pay it back as quick as I can. I did that. So then bought the Evora. And it's like, this is nice. But... Then, of course, you're down the road of, well, what else do they do? And then the Exige, which is much more hardcore track-focused. Yeah, the Evora is a bit softer than your normal Lotus, isn't it? It's more like a, would it be described as a GT car kind of uh, thing? T- totally. It's much more refined car, but now they've got the 3.5-litre V6 Toyota engine to them, so they're comfortable. But it was Recaro seats, and it still has built-in suspension and back springs and an Alpine hedge in it, so it did sound like something that was built yeah, from the Max Power days. That's that sort of strange appeal. So, and it just, I remember test driving, I was like, I have never had driven anything with steering like this. It was just absolutely magical. And uh, then I just got totally sucked in and seeing the Lotus forums, and then I went to the 70th anniversary event at the factory and seeing the track and seeing the production line, and then I was just, ah. Uh, absolutely besotted with the brand as you guys are with yeah. the bag stuff and and then I say the opportunity then was to move up to much more hardcore track focused cars like well I had taken the Evora to the track days and it's a wee bit soft but and I really wanted to push it on and it's like well I need to go for the uh the GT Porsche equivalent, yeah, you know, with which is not it's not GT Porsche uh, money, but looking over the fence, it's like, well, what would a uh, what's Cayman GT4 against? be like, or yeah. anything like that? And it also been around the ring several times in Nigel's GT3, which was just amazing, something else as well, you know. So the Exige is in stock at the moment until I lose the plot or the world crashes again with another. Bout of coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> and the Exige, and what engines in that? Is that the 18 Toyota, 1800 Toyota engine? Or no, so it, it's the same uh, Toyota Camry engine, so three and a half oh, litre V6, but with uh, a Harrop supercharger on top. So it's <laughs> 350 brake and 1100 kilos. Ooh. And it's, yeah. it's a to- it is a precision tool. Like, that's, that sounds like an animal. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, I suppose it's kind of the closest thing you're going to get to like a like a track day car but from a manufacturer totally yeah. totally and and so and part of it is as well that the appreciation's low in the car so it's sort of it is a bit of a, an asset I think well I've had to borrow it borrow to get it yeah so I'm trying to build up a bit of money in it that hopefully it shouldn't lose too much and yeah. it's and I do look back at the drifting days and I absolutely love them I thought well but every spare penny I had 
went into spent, it. Went, went into that and I can't afford to, you know, can't do that for from a life perspective yeah. now. So it's, it's, uh, it's, try, but you, you never can do it, but it's trying the best to have my cake and eat it as in the car that's great on track, great on the road. It's a bit different. It's very much me. Yeah. But it's a good investment. You find Hopefully. your, you find your niche. Hopefully. Yeah. Very good. It's funny the way you've sort of progressed from um, sliding around to going down to the grip. Well, well, a part of the problem is there's no there's an edif in the exige, which is a, if it had a proper LSD, that would be a totally different story. <laughs> <laughs> Better both again. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh no, uh, well I have a six forty D as well, which is the daily driver I've spoken about, and uh, and there's nothing wrong with the diff in it. Oh, that's <laughs> good. <laughs> you know, well, uh, test your diff. Yeah. Despite being an eight-speed ZF auto, in fact, the uh, I have there's a video somewhere of the three three five D at the Nurburgring ha- hanging big slides in the six-speed auto box. Excellent. So, so it can be done. You don't keep a cone in the boot of the six forty D, no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. Um, big big thank you again for coming in, Andy. Really Been appreciate it. We've we've skimmed over stuff here today in reality. Really, I yeah. Think we're going to get you back in again at some stage. Definitely, yeah. I was going to have to because, like, you've been at this what twenty odd years more. There's going to be a lot more stories to tell. Yeah, it's been great to have you along. Really appreciate you coming down. And as I said, we'll get you back in some stage. And uh, big shout out to Andy Cooper. Andy is the owner of RMS Motor and Forum. Your socials, Andy. Uh, well, when I do post on them, it's at RMS Motoring hashtag RMS Motoring Facebook RMS Motoring Instagram RMS Motoring. You don't want to give out your personal one. I, no. I don't have a personal one. Do you not? No. All right, there you go. <laughs> so it's Good just, man yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, thanks very much. No problem. It's been a pleasure, guys. Thanks very Thank much you. for having me. Okay, so we've talked on for quite some time there. So we're going to leave questions this week. And we'll just finish up the podcast by reminding you about our special event. So today we've brought in especially Robin from Studio 10. Hello, Robin. Hello. <laughs> So we're just going to talk about this event we're going to hold, 8th of August. Yes, looking forward to that. Yep. Do you know what it's called? It's called Driven by Good Studio Man. and Reload. <laughs> so it's a charity event we're going to hold. We're going to be going starting off at Ards around 11 o'clock and moving down along Coast Road, across Strangford Ferry, around the Lacal region. That's down Patrick Ard Glass, if anybody doesn't know. And do a loop around the Morns and we'll maybe stop for some dinner somewhere along the way. Yep, some dinner at Castle Island, perhaps. Yeah, there's going to be limited slots. The way it's going to work is you'll just DM the Reload Podcast page and we'll have, I think it's going to be about 30 spots. Um, There's going to be a minimum donation of £10. DM us. Uh, it's first come, first served. It's all going to be in aid of Aware NI Mental Health Charity in Northern Ireland. They have offices in Belfast and Derry. Get involved. We're going to have raffle prizes. Yep, so there'll be some raffle prizes. Motorsport and Spares from Ballymena are going to donate some car cleaning products for us. Cheeto 10. I'll donate some t-shirts, key rings, merchandise. And we will give some stuff as well. And we'll, we'll hopefully have a few other guys on the board as well. Yeah, And also, if you'd like to DM myself or yes. the low page and want to donate to Aware NI, you can do so through PayPal. Yeah. And I was talking to the girl from Aware NI and I think we're maybe going to set up a Just Given page. I think ah, it's easy right. enough done that there. So yeah. if you can't make it, We'll make it uh, easy enough to donate. I think it's a fitting charity at the moment, just with people struggling with lockdown and stuff. Yeah. Be excited to see you there. And if you can't make it, please give a donation. Thank you very much. Yeah, so looking forward to that very much. I think we've had enough chat with Andy there that we'll leave the questions that we had. So apologies to anybody who sent in a question this week. We'll do them the next time. 
as usual thanks very much everybody for listening follow us on social media subscribe to the podcast if you haven't collectively social media we are at reload podcast i'm at maxwell house 46 i'm at connor mccann and i'm at v dubboy cheers everybody see you soon see you again bye